Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks. You're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. It's live and local with Fan Sports Saturday. The Fan Sports Day of the Week. Oh, this is some clever branding. Here's your host, Place Name Here. Happy Saturday. Hope you're having an enjoyable weekend. Sports Saturday here on The Fan until 3 o'clock today. Hope you're staying dry, staying warm. It's survive in advance at this point in the month, or at this point in the spring, I guess. Because if you're looking outside your window right now and seeing, boy, the rain sucks. Well, I think next week it's supposed to be warm and sunny. I see a lot of sun emojis looking at the 10-day forecast, but I guess what they say in Ohio, it's just wait five minutes and it'll likely change. Again, happy weekend to you. I am Eric Reeser, joined Again, this week by someone who had, I think, the most eventful week of anybody I've talked to in one Tyvis Powell. Tyvis, happy Saturday, bud. How are you? Hey, man, it's so good to hear your voice again. Hi, everything is good, man. You know, I'm not getting a lot of sleep. No. Uh, last night was, uh, it wasn't terrible. You know, my wife, uh, you know, so as you know, I previously said that I would get up all night with my wife every time the baby goes starts crying i'm gonna get up and you know just be some support well <laughs> well to have, to let the world know to update the world i do get up every time she gets up okay and you know sometimes she'll say you good i don't need you or sometimes she'll just say tyvis i need you you got to take her do something so last night was one of those tyvis you got to take her do something type thing so i ended up staying up with her for about two hours you know just she for some odd reason she don't like really sleeping in the bassinet but she'll sleep in your arm if you hold her so i was just up holding her it was it was one of those nights so if for those unaware tyvis uh you welcomed your second child into the world this past week. Yes. And congratulations to you. And I'm, I'm sure everybody who's just hearing the news wishes you that as well. But you also, because the last time we were on, so we were not able to do this show last week because of the NFL draft. And we'll get into plenty NFL discussion uh, in the 2 o'clock hour today. And not a whole lot of draft because it wasn't really that exciting of an NFL draft. Everybody kind of just picked what they needed to and outside of a reach by what uh, maybe a reach by Pittsburgh and getting Kenny Pickett in the first round. Everybody kind of just did what they were supposed to do and nothing yeah. really surprising happened, but you also had uh, some career news, Tyvis that I would, because what your career news is about is technically within the family here, not at the fan exactly, but with Tegna, you had some career because you congratulated me on a career uh, achievement a couple weeks ago. So I get to do that the same for you today. Tell the people what you're going to be working on here um, starting this next week, I believe. Yeah, on Monday. So this Monday, I will get to go up to Cleveland where they're hosting the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Talk Show. Um, we'll be up there with Zay Crawford, uh, G. Bush, Adam the Bull will be on daily. Um, I get to pop in once or twice a week and, you know, talk sports, man. It's going to be on YouTube. Uh, just if you, if you're looking to see it on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the Ultimate Sports, Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. Start Monday at 11 to 1 every every day. And so for news and updates on that and when Tyvis will appear, just follow him on Twitter, at one Tyvis. So 
Career update, life update for you, Tyvis. And because this is your second child, I thought it would be interesting just because of talk from the NFL draft. And we have uh, several NFL veterans, Tyvis, you included, on this station that talk about advice that they would give as NFL veterans to NFL rookies. Guys who just heard their name this past weekend and now will be looking to kind of figure out their way in their professional path. I thought it would be a great thing to do. We'll do this at 1.30. will be tips that veteran dad Tyvis, because that's what you are now. You're a veteran dad, would <laughs> give to rookie dad Tyvis expecting his first child. And I, th- I think it would be cool because there might be some listeners out there that are in that rookie dad spot or that rookie parent spot bringing in a, a new child into the world recently or readying themselves for the birth of their first child and wondering what the hell are we going to do? And I'm sure wow. that's what you and your wife had the first time. Now, I don't know. I won't speak for you, but does it feel like you have a little bit more sense of, all right, we got this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's what they now. This is the thing when you, when you have your second child and it's different, like you having different experiences from your first, you don't know if it's, if it's, is it me or my wife is just prepared more this time or is the child really handling things better? That's kind of where I'm at right now. <laughs> I don't know if the child is just, is a better baby. I won't say better, but you know, just handling the situation <laughs> better. Or if me or my wife is just so prepared from our first child that the second one seems to come kind of easy to us. All right, we'll do that at one thirty. Um, but you talk about being better. And uh, what you want in a superstar, Tyvis, is for that player to make the players around him better. And that's what you get guys that are generational players, that are generational talents, that are most valuable players. Not guys that can stuff the stat sheet, but guys that could come in and everyone is better around them. Well, last night in game three of the Eastern Conference semifinals between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Miami Heat, Tyvis, I think you saw just that with Joel Embiid and his return. He was the phantom yes. of the process with that black face mask, of course, with the broken orbital bone. He cleared concussion protocol on Friday. But for Embiid... If you look just at the box score, 18 points, 11 rebounds, an assist, um, 10 of those rebounds coming uh, on the defensive side of the ball in 36 minutes. You're like, well, that's ho-hum. But then you look at the guys around him, and four of the Sixers starters were in double figures, um, led by Tyrese Maxey, 21 points for him, Danny Green as well, um, 21 points there. And the Sixers getting a wire-to-wire win, a dominant win, I thought, a 20-point, 99-79 win over the Miami Heat in a game that they had to have Going down 2-0, a 3-0 hole is really something I don't think you can crawl out of outside for some outliers, but huge for the Sixers in getting that win and everybody else playing extremely well around the process, being everything that James Harden's just not for that team. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can see the difference with having Joel Embiid out there. I mean... This was a team that was struggling. I mean, when I turned it on and seen them first two games, I said, listen, they just might get swept. Felt like because, it, yeah. Yeah, like this is – they're terrible. Like James Harden is, is clearly not what they thought he was going to be. He The the things that everybody says about him seems to be true, where he can't carry a, or he can't carry a team. He's not that same guy that he once was. All those things look the truth. But having Joel Embiid out there, I think he brought that energy back. You know, it's you you already down 0-2. So you can't bring your best player back and then go have be at home, first game at home, and and lose that game and go down 3-0. Like that that's right there. It's too hard to come back from. But 2-1, 
Making it 2-1, that gives your team chance. It gives it life. It's like, okay, we still in this thing. We got a chance. And like you said, the stat sheets wasn't crazy, but I think it showed up on the defensive side of the ball. You know, him being that paint presence out there. The, you know, Miami wasn't allowed to get a lot of free, easy things that they have been getting. And, you know, like I say, just having his energy out there. And the, the biggest surprise last night to me was Danny Green with the 21 points. I, yep. kinda, I don't know where he's been at because he seemed to be kind of MIA since he left San Antonio. But he came back last night, so it would, if he could continue to do that, hey, they might got a shot at making it to to the finals. Well, and what the Heat do so well is make players like James Harden frustrated. They did it to um, the Atlanta Hawks and Trey Young when you saw just how he he eviscerated the Cavaliers in that play-in game, and then in the first round series against the Heat, he had almost nothing for. I, I think they swept them in that. I'm, I'm not 100 percent sure, just off the top of my head, but what they were able to do defensively for that. And it was a 4-1 win in that series over the Hawks. I think they, the Hawks mm-hmm. got game three. But Trey Young was a shadow of himself, and that's because Philadelphia forced him to have to try to do everything. And that doesn't work. Yeah, At least was, not in the playoffs. I tell you what, I was I was upset because I give the Heat some credit. They definitely defensively got all over Trey Young. But I wish he could have played like that when the Cavs was in the final play in game. You know, I yeah. like, I leave, I wanted to at least make the playoffs as a Cleveland <laughs> fan. But to see him, you know, see them do Trey Young like that, I mean it lets you know that they for real. And a guy who doesn't get a lot of credit during the season. He's kind of like a regular guy during the season, but shows up tremendously in the playoffs is Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's the one I think that coined the phrase, there's 82-game guys or 81-game guys, and then there's 16-game guys, and he's the 16-game guy. That means he's he's just a playoff and championship type of player. And, I mean, he's proven that. I mean, he's coming out. Obviously, he missed a couple of games due to injury, but he's out there, man, and he is balling. So, if if he could continue to keep that up and, you know, Tyler Hero keeps doing his thing and they can get Kyle Lowry back from injury and, bam, continue to play at a high level, I I still got the Bucks winning it all, but they will. Listen, that's going to be a nice series. Yes, the Bucks is going to beat the Celtics too for anybody out there listening. We'll get to that in a second because it looked like for the two games last night in their respective uh, semifinal series, it looked like it was Sweep City uh, for both the Sixers and for the Dallas Mavericks. Last night, the Dallas Mavericks came back and, and beat Phoenix 103-94. to uh, Now a series is 2-1. But really for the first two games, it was all about Luka Doncic and nobody else for Dallas. And I think that's a large part of what Phoenix wanted to do. They wanted Dallas to just make it a Luka Doncic game and nobody else on that team able to do anything. Well, last night, just a... Type of so-called a pedestrian 26 points for Doncic, but he did have 13 rebounds, nine assists, an incredible player that we know of, but everybody else it felt like on that Maverick squad stepped up offensively and defensively. And I don't want to think it's it's a Chris Paul because I think he had seven turnovers in the first half alone. I think his yes. career high in a game was nine turnovers. So they were able to ratchet things up defensively and slow and stop Phoenix at times where they needed points to get a decisive 103-94 win in a series that now has some juice to it. Where, like I said, with both the Heat and the Sixers and the Suns and the Mavericks, I thought they were both going for the brooms. Yeah, I mean, the last night was huge for the Mavericks. I, I, I didn't think... I didn't think they would get swept. Honestly, I thought that they would be a, it'd be a gentleman sweep. They'd go four one. Okay. Get them out there. I didn't, you know, Luca was, was bound to get one. I think Luca's of the type of player that 
he can have one of those performances that's so great that he can get you at least one game. And last night, it turned out to be the kind of the opposite. I mean, like you said, he didn't do – I mean, he did – Kind of what you kind of expect from Luca, a little bit, a little bit less than what you expect from Luca. But the the biggest thing had to be Brunson stepping up. I mean, he's been the guy who's kind of went MIA, you know, this whole series. I mean, you think about the the series before that, he was he was dropping twenty four, twenty three, thirty one, like he was out of nowhere. And in this whole series against the Suns, he kind of went kind of MIA. And 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 last night he showed up dropping the twenty eight points, and that was probably to me, I think, was the biggest difference. If he could continue to do that, I'm not saying that they will beat the Suns in this series, but they will make it very interesting. Well, the interesting thing for me, just looking at Brunson, was he was perfect 7 of 7 from the charity stripe, and they weren't sending him to the line a lot in that game last night. <laughs> but and, and that's good. That's what you want in all of these series, because I know there's a lot of consternation in regards to the 76ers and how many times Joel Embiid and James Harden can get to the free throw line. Um, I think Embiid was just not, or Embiid didn't, Embiid was 10 times last night. Uh, Harden was a perfect 8 for 8 in his, but going back to Brunson and the Mavericks, you got to get points where you can when you are down like that. Um, and look, I, I had thought that this Dallas team was Luka Doncic and a bunch of scrubs. And I was glad to be wrong with that because that means we can actually have a series of this because I'm not sure how much I want to put into the Phoenix Suns right now. While they're a great team and them and the Heat were pretty much top of their respective conferences for the entire season, like you had said, you have the Milwaukee Bucks taking home the Larry O'Brien or at least representing the Eastern Conference in the NBA no, Finals. No, you said it right. They, oh. they taking it home. Back to back. But the Miami Heat had been the best team in the conference the entire season. Same with the Suns. But I don't have the Suns out of the West. I've got the death lineup of the Golden State Warriors. Well, I think a lot of people do. See, that's the thing. I'm scared. I want to say the Warriors. But Clay ain't Clay right now. And and granted, Jordan Poole is picking up the slack right now. He is phenomenal. Steph is looking good. We don't know if Draymond can stay in the game or not. <laughs> we don't know what Draymond gonna have going on. If he can stay in the game, like it does look really well. But until Clay goes back to being Clay, I, I can see the Suns edging them off. But I won't even put it past Memphis. I think Memphis is gonna give them a great run because it seems to me. It's a new day and age now, especially in the West. You got these point guards. For I think for a very long time, Golden State put the fear in a lot of point guards' hearts. I think it was yes. only like two or three, only two or three point guards that was not scared of them, and that would be Chris Paul, uh, Westbrook. And I, it's somebody else I can't think of at the, off the top of the head right now. But those two definitely went back at Steph. It seems to me now with the West, you got Luka, you got uh, you got Chris Paul, you got Ja, you got these guys who's not scared of the, to go against Golden State anymore. And I think now it's kind of trying to expose them a little bit. And, and Ja, Ja, he can go, man. And I think they, they got a team. It's not on paper. It doesn't look that strong, but they play well together and they are really giving the Golden State Warriors a tough time. So tough that if they do make it out, I think it'll be so much damage control that the Suns, because I do pick the Suns to win, that the Suns will just beat them from them putting all their time and effort with this Memphis Grizzly team. 47 points uh, for Morant in Game 2, which the Grizzlies took 106-101. to Now Game 3, I believe, is in San Francisco tonight at 8.30. Warriors and Grizzlies there. That's going to be, I think, a seven-game series. You saw Jaw talking to Steph after that Game 2 win. 
We're going to have some fun. And we're all going to have some fun if we watch that. Those that watch this and NBA fans are going to have a lot of fun watching this series. Because I do think outside of Giannis, and we'll get to your Giannis take in a second, uh, probably a little bit later on this hour, because we do have to get to some baseball. But back to the Warriors and the Grizzlies and back to John Morant, the second most explosive player in the league. Is that a hot take? Who, Ja? Ja. No, that's, that's, that would probably be... Very accurate. I mean, right now, he's like the most electrifying man in sports, period. I mean, the stuff that he's doing, he has kind of dethroned The Rock. You know, ain't nobody really been this good since The Rock. <laughs> yeah. This man really puts highlights together that's just like, it make you spill your drink on your wife. I'm trying to find, I had something um, from N- from Alex Kennedy, who covers the NBA. Uh, the league's released the players that have generated the most views on social media during the playoffs. Steph Curry yes. is second with 88 million uh, views on social media. John Morant's number one. Tyvis, could you guess how many uh, views John Morant's social media pages have gathered during the playoffs? Okay, I've seen it. It's it's definitely in the hundreds. I can't remember if it was like one. It was either 119, 179, something like that. It was something ridiculous. Almost cut in the middle. 149.3 million views. Like Steph Curry has got an 88 and John Morant's up there with almost 150 million views. Like he's the superstar in the NBA. You see who at the who fifth on that list, right? Is your guy Giannis. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Chris Paul is still good. Jason Tatum at three, and that's that's another thing with this is Giannis is kind of flying under the radar with these this playoff series. At least when you look at everything, when you look from a a casual fan perspective, the Celtics and the Bucks series now because of what happened last night, I think makes their series not the most interesting of the bunch. Of course, our producer, Bodie Wells, a Celtics fan. That series is not up oh long ago at 3.30. I forgot he is. I do want to ask Bodie of this and how he feels after things now tied up. You had two dominant wins by uh, Milwaukee in Game 1. Boston responded really well in Game 2. Bodie, how do you feel going into today's 3.30 matchup in Game 3 in Milwaukee? I really have mm. no feel for this series, honestly, Hard because to. of how... It, yeah, just because game one, it was kind of close throughout, but if you watched it, Milwaukee was just like clearly the better team. Boston didn't play very well. And Giannis is still so clearly the best player in the series, and that's not to take I away love from it. Tatum, but Giannis is just that good. <laughs> I think it's probably the best player in the league right now. They, say it and again! Then, <laughs> but then game two, Boston clearly looked like... Game one was so much like Giannis is the best player. That's why they're going to win this series. But then game two looks so much like, okay, Giannis is the best player, but players two through whatever, five or six, pretty much filled with Boston. You'd probably put Drew Holiday in there somewhere. But nonetheless, Boston clearly has like most of the next bunch there. They made their threes. They, I thought they did a much better job, like not kind of like let Giannis be Giannis, but we're going to stop everybody else a little bit. But yeah, I have no feel for this series because game one and game two were just so opposite ends that I really I'm just hoping for a split in Milwaukee and then we can get home court back to Boston and then hopefully maybe I think this thing's probably going seven and then hopefully we can win a game seven at home so it likely be back to Boston for game five that's looking like when Milwaukee's going to be getting Chris Middleton back he will not return for at least games three and four of this series with that injured uh, that injured MCL uh, in his left knee Tyvis how do you oh wait Go Wait ahead. a minute. Hold on. They said Chris Middleton going to play in this series? Well, possibly making, quote, steady progress. Um, I don't think it. From I don't Mike think Budenholzer. He gonna make, 
He ain't coming back no? this series for sure. I don't think so. Because right, well, it, it, it ain't going to be no need to rest. Listen, it's only going five games. You heard it here first, okay? This They're going to def- They're not splitting Celtics in Milwaukee. Celtics in five? No. Are you, <laughs> are you insane? Don't, don't make me cuss this morning. <laughs> Absolutely not. The Bucks will win this. They're going to win tonight. They're going to win the next game. And then the, le- the Boston game, that's going to be the one where – if they get one, it'll be right there. Like the Boston might be able to win another game in Boston, and then they'll win it in Milwaukee. So it could potentially go six, but I'm a, I'm gonna just say it's gonna go in five. Now well, they play these games indoors, so these um, the Celtics Bucks game today will not be postponed. We've already got a couple postponements in Major League Baseball today because if you hadn't looked outside your window yet, it sucks. And almost every Major League Baseball game last night, I think east of Illinois, was postponed. So the Indi- the Guardians and the Reds, excuse me, are doing a pair today against their respective opponents. Jose Ramirez is a dude, but you knew this. We'll explain next. Yes. It's uh, Sports Saturday here on The Fan. You love sports? We love sports. You love the Buckeyes? We love the Buckeyes. You love your mom? We love your mom. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports Saturday here on The Fan. Eric Reeser, Tyvis Powell, Bodie Wells rolling until 3 o'clock today. About 10 minutes from now in the Queen City, the Reds are going to take on the Pittsburgh Pirates. The first of a doubleheader today, the first of a four-game series between Cincinnati and Pittsburgh at the Great American Ballpark. Tyvis, I think the Reds got some of the best news they've had in a while yesterday in the fact that their game was rained out. Because as I always say with the Browns and their bye weeks, you can't lose if you don't play. Don't do that. Listen, I've been trying to get my boy Matty Ice because, you know, he Matty Ice is a diehard Reds fan. So I'm trying to bring some positivity back and shine some light on them. You know, How's that going? So, so <laughs> it was going good until, <laughs> until we talked to Jay Lou yesterday and he messed up everything. But listen, they got a lot of time to get this thing corrected. You know, it's there's some growing pains. You know, you got some you got new guys in there. You just say, you know, you got you got to get your rhythm. You got to find find your rhythm in baseball and right now they haven't found it yet you know it just it takes some time you know Rome wasn't built in a day no th- yeah sure um three and 22 <laughs> they're on a nine game slide uh one of the worst starts for a team since like the 1900s <laughs> professionally i mean why why you got to throw all that out there, i'm all though? about history tyvis and the reds are trying their best to make some uh you talk about a lot of the new guys that they've had to bring up from triple a louisville as joey Votto, nick senzel and tyler naquin remain on the covid list i don't believe any of them actually tested positive but they did experience symptoms and i think the way to make to make your way off of uh, the COVID list is to not is to stop experiencing symptoms. To so you got to feel better, um, and I don't think they've tested positive, or at least we'd have heard something of that by now. They're also going to get some good news I, on Monday. I think Luis Castillo is supposed to make his season debut. Um, they're going to be hosting Milwaukee next Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I believe. So the Brewers' first place in the NL Central saw him last week. He got your asses kicked by them. So there's a chance if you bring Castillo back, you don't have to stretch your bullpen. You don't have to stretch a lot of guys. Um, that just just haven't been pitching very well. Um, I know there was some there's some excitement with Hunter Green, but he's been uh, very disappointing this season, as is everything with the Cincinnati Reds. The one question I do have um, for Reds fans today as they get going at 1235, and then they've got the second of that uh, traditional doubleheader at 640, was there was a fan uh, who had posted on Reddit 
During the Friday, May 6th game against the Pirates, I will be scaling the wall to defecate in the bed of the Toyota Tundra. If anyone can take photos of me, I'd appreciate it. Also, (laughs) if anyone is down to also bleep in the bed of the truck, meet me under the smokestacks in the top of the fourth (laughs) inning. Cheers. I wonder if he's still going to make good on that promise. Either today or maybe during tomorrow's game. You can't do it on Mother's Day. So it's got to be either one of these next two games today. Hey, hey listen. You know what the they good thing enough? is? Wait a minute. No, listen, though. This is good. This is good because people will come see this. So the attendance will not go down. At least they, they can't, they're not going to be in no Oakland Athletics thing where the defend attendance is down. People will come see somebody scale the wall or bleep in the back of the tr- <laughs> people will come see like, yeah, at least they all still make it good fun of it you know they, they, I, I agree I think that's the only <laughs> thing right now you can really do well you you just said they got people coming back you know they got they, people go get off the COVID list you know people gonna come back from injury it's it, listen it's gonna be alright they got a hundred well, how many games left on this year a hundred and something yes they, they got a lot of games to, to flip this thing it's gonna be the greatest story ever told now they're not gonna be better than the, they're not gonna be better than the Guardians in any way but they definitely gonna make some improvement if they lose if they don't win more than 55 games this year then my name ain't Tyvis Powell. Well, we know your that? name is, and I don't <laughs> think that they're going to. I think it's 119. Um, is I, I for, it might be 119, but they're not. I don't think they're going to lose 110 games. I think they will flirt with 105, 106. But you've got this series against Pittsburgh, and I think there's absolutely a chance that the Cincinnati Reds could take one or maybe two against the Pirates. You've still got other garbage teams around you, and there's parity enough in baseball where if you can scrap together a couple each series and then a couple a month against some of the dreck in your division, some of the dreck in your conference, then I think you'll be able to at least not have to worry about making that historic mark. But when you're already talking about the season being a bust before Labor or before Memorial Day, it's not great. But for the Reds, I don't think they will hit that historic low um, and, and, and set that mark of at least total games lost. It's bad for the Cincinnati Reds, but I don't think it's going to get the worst. I, I just don't because I think there's when again when they can get Joey Votto back maybe he can uh, with this time off can kind of turn things around he's had a slow start to the season same thing with Naquin and Senzel and who knows what you're gonna get with Luis Castillo immediately but maybe he's able to kind of shore up their rotation and help things out because that's what they need they need as much help uh, as they can get we have been so up against it I do want to get to the tease about Jose Ramirez being a dude we'll do that next at Sports Saturday here on the Fan. During this 10-second promo, Rothman will lose money gambling on something. People like you come here and blow the family nesting that built this town. Rothman and Ice. Weekdays from noon to 3. The Fan. Sports Saturday here on The Fan has a bone to pick with Big Voice Guy. There's not that much stupid in Bishop and Friends. Weekdays 9 to noon. There's some. It's light stupidity. (laughs) It's not heavy in it. Eric Reeser, Tyvis Powell, Bodie Wells rolling along. On this rainy Saturday afternoon, fret not, friends. It's supposed to be sunny in 80s all next week. So survive in advance with this, Tyvis. Summer coming now. Summer right. is is right around the corner, you know? All right, so we I t- ha- go ahead. I t- a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. No, I can't do that. <laughs> no, I know. I, so we got like hail and grapple and sleet yeah, was- and snow. We had all in like one one day, a span of like six hours. I know. It's like, get me the hell out of here. 
Listen, this is where else can you find that in the world? That makes Ohio unique and special. You can't get that That's anywhere else. That's not a else. good unique and special time. <laughs> not in April. Think, think about the people that that lives in like California. It's, it's boring. It's the same thing every day. You need some excitement and some change up in your day. All right. I, so I like how you're trying to paint this turd bowl. And so we're going to try to do that with the Cincinnati Reds. So the worst record uh, for a team in the modern era in baseball is the New York uh, baseball Mets, who lost 120 games in 1962. The 2019 Detroit Tigers lost 114 games. The 2003 Detroit Tigers lost 119 games. And so for the Cincinnati Reds, their worst record came in 1982. They went 61 and 101. I think they're going to eclipse that this year, Tyvis, but I don't know if they're going to reach 2019 Tigers bad of 114 losses. They'll flirt around 110, I believe, but I just don't think that that's going to be the case. And now I, I hope I'm right. Do you think that they will touch 110 or maybe go past that? <laughs> they not getting triple digit losses this year. I, I'm banking on it. There's no way under 100, to, under 100 losses. <laughs> they gonna get 99, but it's gonna be some pride within that that 100 loss. That's where you're back up against the wall. You know, like it's uh, to 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 say you was a part of a team that had a hundred losses. Like you 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 tested manhoods right there. Like you don't want that on your resume ever. So I think that once that you know once you get close to it, you're gonna see them play their best baseball. Joey Votto's worst year with the club was 2015. They went 64 and 98. Tyvis, see what I'm saying? because so, they got close, and everybody said, "Hold on, now." <laughs> I can almost guarantee that the Cleveland Guardians will not touch that 98 loss mark on the season, and it will be a gigantic part because of Jose Ramirez. He's right now leading the league in runs batted in. Uh, I believe he is third in the league with seven home runs. I think there's a couple guys that have eight. There's a couple guys that have nine. I think nine is tops right now in the majors. But an interesting story from ESPN this week kind of chronicled the 48 hours um, for Ramirez's camp for the Cleveland Guardians and then for a pair of other teams, the Blue Jays and the Padres, who ramped up discussions to acquire Ramirez between that April 5th, 6th, and then the 7th, that deadline that the club and his representation had set to either get the extension done or to get a suitor for trade talks. And I was blown away when I read that report because it had said, despite everybody telling him not to sign that seven-year, $141 million extension with the Guardians, he wanted to do it because he wanted to stay in Cleveland, telling his agent, quote, $150 million or $200 million, my life is going to be the same. I'm happier with $150 million in Cleveland than $200 million somewhere else. Now, as a Cleveland fan, I love that. As a rational person, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> Listen, it's like, okay, so I don't mean to take this to football, but it's like Odell had like these series of tweets lately where he was saying. Boy, did he. That he, uh, the reason he came to Cleveland, well, he obviously he got traded here, but when he was in Cleveland, he wanted to win a ring here so badly because it, it would mean much more than doing it anywhere else. And I think. You know, if you if you once you become like a Cleveland sports player, like an athlete, and you understand like the fans' pain and their passion behind it all, you want to be the one that kind of like LeBron James would be loved forever because he ended that drought. You know, it was he brought a championship here in the city that hadn't seen nothing like it in a very long time. And you know, if the Indians or not the Indians, the Guardians could pull this off, like it'll mean much more than anywhere else. And I think Jose. 
understands that. And I mean, like, and then on top of that, he's been here. So, like, it, don't nobody really, it's like moving. You don't really want to move that stuff. Like, once you find a place that you like and you, you build relationships, you don't really want to move on from that. And so I think he's been here through the grind and he sees things starting to change and he wants to be that guy that can, you know, be that spark. People will be like, I want to come to play for the Guardians because I like Jose Ramirez. So he can bring people here to play. And I think he recognizes that. And that's why he wanted to stay. Uh, and I love that. I, and I love to hear that. I just don't have faith in the organization. That they're <laughs> going to be able while they can bring free agents in. And have them look at everything and look at the roster and they can make trades at the deadline for players that would be rentals and say, hey, you come to Cleveland and maybe we can talk about a contract extension. We can talk about ripping up your current deal. They're just never going to be able to pay the players what they're actually worth. It was more in this story um, from Jose Ramirez's agent, Rafa Nives of Republic Sports, saying, quote, they told him they can't afford what he's worth. And he told them that he didn't care. Tyvis, who else would say, like, I don't think there are really any other players in the league that would say something like that. We can't, pay, we can't pay you what you're worth. Okay, bye. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that. Nine of ten, <laughs> nine of ten players. Especially in today's society, it's all about the almighty dollar. So you, if you can't pay me, I know somebody else that will for sure. I'm gonna get every penny that I can while I'm hot. So yeah, I mean, it's he's just a different guy, man. Like I say, he's money. Obviously, money isn't the 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 biggest thing to him. Like that doesn't. I guess that's not the the top of his list. It's nice to have and all that, but I guess for some odd reason to him, that's not the most important thing. I guess Cleveland offers something that he cares more about, and it shows that he's a very loyal guy. I mean, that's. Yep. I mean, that's something that you can't buy. You know, loyalty is, is priceless nowadays. And for him to have that and be dedicated to trying to change an organ, to turn an organization around and put, bring them to new hypes. I mean, that's, he should get a statue just for that. Full disclosure, he's my favorite Cleveland Indian slash guardian of all time. I mean, he has eclipsed uh, guys like Shane Bieber. He has eclipsed guys like CeCe Sabathia. Um, he's eclipsed some of the guys in the 90s. Um, it, it, this, what Jose Ramirez has meant to this ball club, um, and then things like this, where he took this doesn't even this doesn't even qualify as a hometown discount because you're getting less like you're getting a better deal the guardians are than the hometown discount like especially for the production i think i've said this to you uh, and a couple times on this station they are getting a tesla and they are paying toyota camry prices <laughs> now i drive a camry so i know how much it's worth it's a wonderful car but it's i'd have to pay triple maybe quadruple to get a tesla and they're doing that while paying basically bargain bin prices for a guy who since 2017 has finished third in the AL MVP voting twice. So good for everybody involved, but this is one of the reasons why when you ask me, Jim Tomey or Jose Ramirez, I'm like, I got to go with J Ram in terms of my favorite Cleveland guardians player. Now he's got plenty of time left because he's still in his athletic prime. I just told you about the, the numbers he's putting up this season are tops in the league. So a guy who is not diminished on his skill set, a guy who, with the youth of this Cleveland Guardians squad, can make the players around him better, a la a Joel Embiid with the 76ers. And yeah, I, I know that's a little bit hot of a take because the Sixers are championship contenders while the Guardians just hope to not lose 90 games this season. As a fan, I absolutely appreciate that. And so that's, you know, we are 97-1 the fan. So it does paramount how we feel as a hot sports takey guy. I'm like, why are you taking this deal with the Guardians? You are worth so much more. But 
I also appreciate that. We've got another Clevelander who is willing to take a discount to make the team around him better. And could the Lakers do something no other NBA team, in my opinion, would even think about? We'll discuss those next. It's Sports Saturday here on The Fan. Winners of the prestigious Platinum Microphone Award every year. Given to the best radio station in the world. Uh, No need to look it up. It's real. The Fan. Sports Saturday here on The Fan. Eric Reeser, Tyvis Powell, Bodie Wells. Rolling along till 3 o'clock on this rainy Saturday. Again, survive in advance. Get to Monday. It'll be 80 and sunny. Also, good news for Reds fans. Uh, They're at the bottom of the first inning in the Queen City with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Scoreless. Tyler Naquin uh, has returned to Cincinnati's lineup, so clearing COVID protocols uh, for the Red Legs. He did strike out in his first at-bat of the day, but still early, guys. Take it a game at a time, a series at a time. The Pirates are really bad, 10-14 and 14 on the season, not as bad as 3-22, and 22, but you're, you're professionals. So the talent might not equate, but still go out there and, well, okay, so I'm watching the game on one of our two television screens in here, and <laughs> fan attendance is sparse. Hmm. That's sad. <laughs> it's sad to see professional teams do stuff in the off season to make this the reality that they're in, and then say the things like Phil Castellini said to make this become the reality. And that's why when I was talking during the lockout in saying that no major league baseball owner, really no owner in sport, does things in good faith for their fans or for their organization, it's all for them. This is what you see. Similarly, out in Oakland, Tybus, like you were talking about, the 24, 2,500 fans, they fit in the ringcentral.com coliseum, I think it is, is an indictment on what the owners want to do. And it's not care about what their team does on the field. It's that we're just going to keep cashing these checks from the TV deals that every single time they're up, go up. I wonder, like... Do they move up? So, like, say I bought a say I bought a nosebleed ticket, right? I'm, I'm, oh, they probably. I'm they, how can they sell those at this point? Like, you're getting front row prices for that. They have to, right? I, well, you would think. I they don't I know. Would think so. But this would be the best time to go to the game. To dude. your point, it's if a, you got the cheapest ticket and decided to sit right in like the front row, what are they going to do? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. A, so, so this should be like if you if you meet a girl if you out in Oakland and you meet a girl and take her on a date. You know, like, oh baby, let's go, let's go sit in the front row of the athletics game. Like, come on now, she she might be oblivious to all of it going on. And I was like, about to say, you like pitch you that to somebody that's going to be a, a first date that you will not have a second. Similarly with the Cincinnati Reds, unless she is a diehard fan of the Reds or the Oakland Athletics, I seriously doubt there will be a second date considering the quality of the entertainment put in front of her will put her to sleep oh, before dude, the hey, second inning. Wait a minute. Don't do that. <laughs> Listen, I'll tell you what. I was watching uh, Sports Center this morning, and they was talking about the Reds, and they had three consecutive uh, pop fly drops, and I couldn't believe it. I said, this is some beauty league stuff right here. <laughs> they couldn't get the uh, 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 easy pop fly, and it, they just let it hit the ground. I couldn't believe it. Man. It, is, it is pretty bad when, you, when you're doing stuff like that. Well, they are starting an outfield that probably wouldn't be on any other professional roster, maybe one or two guys that should probably still be no, in this AAA. Was it was an, it was infield, an infield pop, pop. So even worse infielders because right Votto their first baseman's out so a guy comes up from AAA Louisville there's a reason he's in AAA <laughs> but we talk about hometown discounts in the last segment with Jose Ramirez signing what's not even a hometown discount to stay with the Cleveland Guardians it's being reported um, 
that Darius Garland has told his representatives that he wishes to take less than a max contract extension in the offseason in hopes of retaining both Colin Sexton and Karis LeVert and also wishes the team to bring back Ricky Rubio. As a Cavs fan, I am thrilled. I seen this, and if this is true, what a guy, you know, what a guy. He sees the bigger picture, you know. It's, and that's the thing. It's all about perspective. Like, he sees the potential in this Cav team, but if this Cav team breaks up and they're not able to get pieces, the correct pieces to replace the ones that left, it's going to put you at a worse position that you already in. Yeah, you'll make a bunch of money, but you won't never win no championship. I feel like if you can get a championship, you know, that unlocks – more money in the future if that makes sense so yeah take a look you can take a little bit of you can get take a little less money right now and give it to other people so they can come back so we can build something and then as we start winning you get more endorsements you get more people wanting to come play there then you can start getting more money because the city they put your owners is putting more money into it all that jazz so I think he's got the right mindset right now, and it's good to have it at such a young age. And what I hope they do is acquiesce to Garland's wishes, give him a contract of what he's worth, minus, of course, what would be a max deal because that's what he wants, and then bring back Colin Sexton, bring back Karis LeVert, return Ricky Rubio um, from Purgatory in Indianapolis, but also have zero discussions with the Los Angeles Lakers. Now, this wasn't put out by the Lakers. This was put out by everyone's least favorite sports talking head, Stephen A. Smith, this week, that the Lakers should trade LeBron this offseason because he is their most valuable asset. Fine, if they do that, it's unprecedented, and I don't think they will. While he still has, what, another year on his contract, he won't sign an extension. This will likely be his last season, in my opinion, in Los Angeles. If they do look for a trade partner, Kobe Altman and the Cleveland Cavaliers should go new phone, who dis? Even to LeBron <laughs> James. Listen, I, like I said, I'm with them on that. Like I, I get that. But after watching, you know, how the Hawks did us, he could have been, he would have been way valuable in that, that series. I think that if we had LeBron James on that same team, then it would have been a totally different outcome. The problem is trading for LeBron. I don't know what you have to give up for him. Right. And, and, and you possibly only getting him for maybe a year or two because he already said that he's going to go play with his son, wherever that may be. So. I, I, you really kind of renting the guy. <laughs> you got it's really a, a rental. It is, I, and I don't know if I'm willing to jeopardize my team for that. Like I just, I don't. It's I think it's other ways we can get to the championship that doesn't include us trading our team away for LeBron. Because James. if I'm the Lakers, I'm not entertaining a trade talk with Cleveland if the package does not start with Evan Mobley. See, I ain't no way. No, right. But, <laughs> it, it, but if I'm Los no Angeles, way. I'm like, we want the guy you just drafted from USC. And if he's not part of this package, we will be hanging up def- this phone. That would definitely get some booties in the seats. So I agree with you, USC. but it's it should I, not I, happen. I, and I, and I'm... I, Hang the phone up. I, new phone who dis? Like, talk to him next offseason. If I was on the phone, if I was Kobe Altman and they said that to me, I would look at the phone. You ever, you ever had somebody say something crazy? You just had to look at the phone? Like, I can't believe what they just said. That's what I would say. Like, 
That's blasphemy. No. Why would we do that for a guy who's towards the end of his career? Granted, he is playing some really nice basketball, but I'm not about to give you something that we're only going to have for a couple of years. There's just That doesn't make sense to me. The Cincinnati Reds have a lead, and teams in the NFL are giving the Browns the treatment we think the Cavs should give the Lakers if they ask about a LeBron James trade. We'll get to both of those things. Plenty of news from the NFL this week. And of course, at the bottom of the next hour, it's veteran dad Tyvis giving advice to rookie dad Tyvis and maybe rookie parents out there. We'll do all of that in the one o'clock hour of Fan Sports Saturday right here on The Fan. If the sound of another man slammed against plexiglass turns you on, you've come to the right place. Proud to be your home for Jackets Hockey. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. Sports Saturday on the fan, Eric Reese and Tyvis pal, Bodie Wells. As you heard in Bodie's update, Reds do have a 2-0 lead on the Pirates. Let's go! Bottom of the first in Cincinnati. It was Tyler Stevenson with a two-run double, bringing in Mike Moustakis, who I think is 45 years old, but... Tyvis, see, I'm just, I'm just telling you. Listen, you got good vibes. Oh, it start with the mindset. Good vibes. You gotta, you gotta put them positive vibes out there, and positive things starts happening. That's just the, just how it is. That's how life works, man. So it was great to hear (laughs) that from Bodie, and then he ended his update with something that just made me go, ah, (laughs) because I do understand with the Browns drafting David Bell last week in the third round that he is the guy that they likely see in a similar role to Jarvis Landry. And I know there's been talk between Jarvis and the Cleveland Browns in the weeks leading in the weeks after the regular season. And I know he's also had interest in going to New Orleans and playing for the Saints. Of course, we love we know how much New Orleans that organization loves LSU players, how much LSU players love playing in New Orleans. So that does seem like a really good fit. But then, of course, this report um, from 24-7 Sports and Brad Stainbrook says that the Browns have not spoken with Landry or his representatives since the NFL draft and that he is ex- he, that he has fielded a call from the Baltimore Ravens. Mm, now, if you remember, the Ravens sent Hollywood Brown to, I believe it was the Arizona Cardinals. That's correct. Much to the chagrin of one Lamar Jackson. Yes. Okay. So let me, let me, a lot of this is, is kind of crazy. So the Jarvis Landry back to the Browns thing, I think from production standpoint, I think that's kind of where, where the problem's at. Like, will he be productive? And now granted last year, he said that he was, he was injured and he played through injury at the end and the last game against Cincinnati, you know, he played really well. And it was like, where this been at all year type thing. Um, I think the reason that I want him back is because not for his production on the field, but because he brings that the correct mindset that I feel like every NFL player should have. And I think he would be a positive role model for a, a David Bell or somebody like that, or these young wide receivers in this core. And I think they need his presence in there. And I, that right there is kind of the the real reason why I want him back. And obviously he was the one that kind of started the the culture change in Cleveland. So I feel like you kind of owe it to him a little bit. But I don't – for that price tag that he was talking about, I don't think he's going to get that. I think he kind of realizes that now. But if he goes to Baltimore, that that, 
That'd be nice. That would be nice for Lamar. I agree. Be nice for Baltimore, Lamar. I think, I think he fits that style that they have over there. I think he'll come in and be a fit that culture that they have, that 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 gritty type player and a guy that Lamar can just find and get the ball in his hands and he can do things with the ball in his hands. They, that would be nice Damn for it. sure. So. I, 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 but hey, it is what it is. Like, no, that's a division I, rival. We're Browns fans. What so let me hell? ask you: Is is Jarvis a guy that that you think the Browns would fear? Would, like, would you fear going against Jarvis Landry right now? I, I so I, I think no, not uh, not see, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I just that's what I, I'm saying. I worry that because so I loved what the Baltimore Ravens did in the NFL draft. I love how they got David Ojabo. Um, it, I I think that's great for them. I wish the Browns had picked him up instead of those three picks from the Houston Texans. One of them being a kicker. Look, I, I get uh, if they value a kicker, get him when you you when you value him. But the fact that they could have had David Ojabo, he's not going to play obviously this next year. But you saw the production that he had at Michigan. He would be a great addition to the Browns linebacking core when he does return. A great guy off the edge. Also, Chase Wojnovich would have you know paired well with him. Of course we know that you, you put anybody with a lick of talent with Miles Garrett, and they're, they're going to be taking the quarterback to Sac City a bunch. So from that standpoint, uh, this is just another thing that the Ravens are doing right in getting a guy who where I wouldn't necessarily fear his production on the field. He'd, of course, get like three touchdowns and have 100 yards receiving against the Browns every time <laughs> he played because, of course, he would. But he's that culture guy that makes your team different in a good way, better in a good way that they it what he brought to Cleveland, I just don't think can be understated in how he was a veteran presence in that locker room, especially at a time that we will discuss next. There's toxic elements still remaining with that organization that could do a lot of damage in that locker room in this upcoming season. And they did damage last season. And Jarvis, I think helped soften that a little bit. Yes, he was dealing with injury, but the person Jarvis Landry is who I want more than really the player. And he's a hell of a player when healthy. I agree with you 100%. That That's the only thing that I kind of miss. But I think the Browns are looking at it from a production standpoint. Like, you know, David Bell is a young guy. Granted, he will he going to have some growing pains. You know, there's some things he's going to have to adjust to. But, like, it's 17 games. By the 17th game, I think he should be pretty good. So I think that's kind of how the Browns see it. Um, I, I'm not 100% confident in the Browns wide receiving core. I mean, yeah, Deshaun Watson's great, and um, he's going to do things to get them open. You know, he's going to actually, you know, extend the plays so they can get open. But as far outside of Amari Cooper and, you know, DPJ is still developing, so I don't know. It's still a project. Yeah, and then Schwartz was kind of a eh so it's like you know they, they need to address it but i don't know if jarvis would be the correct answer even well, though it would be nice the two things that are looming large over this cleveland team right now are of course the deshaun watson um looming suspension like we all kind of think that there's one coming is it four games is it five games is it six games so who's going to be quarterback in cleveland during that time is it going to be jacoby Brissett? Could it be Baker Mayfield? 
He's still on the roster post-NFL draft. Uh, it was reported that the Carolina Panthers had expressed serious interest, but talks had broken down. Maybe Seattle's still out in the void looking for him. Pete Carroll came out earlier this week and said that they don't plan on trading for a quarterback before the season, but maybe if something happens, I don't think they love Drew Locke out there. I, I think it's, is Geno Smith their backup? Yeah. Those Gino guys are He should be the starter because he's the one that... He has one that has actual experience year. in the system. Yeah, right. But for the Browns, it, it's just that you want the best people in that locker room because of situations like this. And so with the the fact that Baker remained on the roster post-draft, it's going to be the next several weeks until something happens where we're going to have to mention anything that comes out, any smoke that arises about Baker Mayfield. Um, and this from Josina Anderson. Uh, I believe this was Thursday. I spoke to a source from a team that expressed interest in Baker Mayfield, had talks, but they cooled, not wanting to pay the asking price, feeling he has to be cut. Their follow-up comment tonight on Friday, quote, no one's trying to do the Browns any favors in this situation. Now, giving Watson the guarantee that they did kind of hurt a lot of other teams and, and possibly Baltimore and that they're looking for to give their quarterback an extension. But now that $230 million guaranteed, that could be the, the, like the come to the table figure. Like we're not going to have a meeting. We're not going to answer the phone for anything less than 230 guaranteed because now that's the market <laughs> price. The Browns don't give a damn because they were so desperate to land Watson that now this set that precedent where a bunch of teams are pissed off at this squad. And uh, the idea that they're not willing to pay Baker his almost 19 million guaranteed this next year, I think is is a little distorted from what the reality is going to be in that if they cut him and maybe they're awarded a compensatory draft pick for cutting him, they're still going to have to pay him that price because if he gets cut and a, a team picks him up and pays him a veteran minimum, he still owed that money from Cleveland. So the least they, they could do, in my opinion, is say we will pay a certain price. Maybe now it's 11, 12, 13 million of that. We'll give you a draft pick, a sixth, a seventh, and we will return a sixth or a seventh for Baker Mayfield. It gets the headache off your hands and you can kind of decide where he gets to go instead of him basically getting to choose post-cut and then maybe picking a team that comes back to haunt you. Uh, you know what? I'm, I like that, actually. I mean... I hate this whole thing. thing I, I, I do, too. I, I wish it would be over with. I'm tired of talking about it every other day. It's every time I get on Twitter, it's the same people arguing the yeah, same thing. Yeah, the same thing. And it's it's just like... Ooh, just just. I want to be done with this. I want to be done with this. Do something with the guy. Bye. Like I, I, the way I feel is, they kind of gave Odell like he was kind of in the same situation a little bit, and they kind of paid a little bit of his money and then released him. I wish it was a way that they could do that, but I know Baker's probably be like, no, I want my whole thing. So I think you would have to go the trade route because at least you're getting something for him. And I think they should just go ahead and do right by him and just pay a little bit, pay uh, whatever it is, maybe 10 million of it that the other team or 11 million or whatever. So he, so just cause you need to get it out your locker room. I know you're tired of people like as a team, you don't be in a locker room. You don't want to hear about somebody that's not going to be on your team. Right. Like it, it like you taking the focal, the focus away from our team because you keep talking about a guy that's, that shouldn't even be here anymore. So we need to, as an organization, I think they need to do something to move on from it. And they, and that would be trading him. Because every time a member of the Browns organization goes to a microphone, it's what about the alleged sex pest and what about the malcontent child? 
those are your two quarterbacks right now, or two of the four quarterbacks you have on the roster. That's the only thing people really give a damn that going on right now in your organization. So, and then the Browns did this to themselves. Look, I don't think this all has to be put on Baker Mayfield in terms of who's to blame for this. That's what we love to do. We love to assign blame to one specific person. Everybody gets their share of this. The Browns get their share of this. The Browns front office, the coaching staff, Kevin Stefanski, when he tears his labrum in week two, you sit him down. You sit him down until that thing is fully healed or if he needed surgery or if surgery was the, the route, you make him or you at least tell him we're going to shut you down until you get it and you let him make the big boy decision and then you you roll with Case Keenum or you roll with Nick Mullins and you and, and maybe you're in the playoffs. And then this this issue doesn't arise cuz maybe you're looking at the 20 and 2 last year in terms of touchdowns and interceptions the back half of the season, you say we can try this again um in 2022. But you didn't. So nobody was an adult. Nobody was the adult in the room that you clamor for at your quarterback. The front office wasn't. The, the coaching staff wasn't. <laughs> Baker obviously is not going to be, but you drafted him number one overall, knowing that you're not likely going to get the most mature man in the room. So everybody yeah. failed with this. Everybody deserves uh, their heap of blame, but yet they're likely going to cut him, and uh, it's just going to be a, a silly, drawn-out process that nobody's going to feel good about, really, I think, um, when it's all said and done. Yeah, I, it, unfortunately, I think that's kind of where it's, it's leaning towards um, with the fact that you said what you said about teams feeling bad because they gave Deshaun Watson all that guaranteed money and it's going to mess up you know, their quarterback negotiations. I think that's like, all right, well, now we're going to make y'all eat this $19 million from Baker because we ain't about to trade nothing. And as long as nobody trades for him, they have no choice but to cut him. Or, I mean, they can march him out there. <laughs> they could definitely march him out there. And for if, due, if the fact that Deshaun Watson does get suspended, they could definitely march the guy out there and he could definitely, you know, cause he has no choice but to play well. He can't sabotage the, oh, he couldn't, the he couldn't go out there and tank it. <clears throat> no, because he's, he's playing for another opportunity with somebody else. So he would have to go out there and play his best football. So, I mean, you kind of got him in a, in a spot where, and if he doesn't go, like if he refuses to play, then like you can, in contract, I think it's written that the guy does something like that. You can void the money. So now you get off the hook of paying him the 19 million. So he kind of in a predicament where he has no choice but to show up and show out if, if need be, which is kind of crazy to think about. So, They're all in a predicament. They're all in an awful predicament. It's a, it's a it's a very petty situation that's going on, and I don't who I guess whoever's the pettiest is going to win. And the Haslam's, Barry, Stefanski, Baker have nobody to blame in this but themselves. So uh, look, I'm rooting for Baker to show up and to try this thing out, saying you still have me under contract. I'm still allowed to be here. You can't kick me out. I'm just rooting for that sort of chaos because my team did this to themselves. And I, I think the bed that they made, they absolutely deserve to lie in it. We are rooting, of course, for Buckeyes in the NFL. And there are a pair of Buckeye quarterbacks that some professional discussion was had about them. Some news about one former Buckeye quarterback that came out yesterday. And then some discussion that's been had about another former Buckeye quarterback that I'm not sure, considering the source, should have any place to really decide how things are going to go in the Windy City. We'll get to both of those things next. It's Sports Saturday here on The Fan. We know everything about you. We know you love the Buckeyes. We know you love the Jackets. We know you're wearing a red shirt. I just freaked the hell out of someone. The Fan. Boop. All right, I got another gripe with Big Voice Guy. Bo Bishop's a fine-looking man. Whoa. So <laughs> to insinuate that if Baker goes on a bender, he's going to look like Bo... Come on. <laughs> Come on. 
Yeah. Also, when you drink, bur- Bo was talking to me about this, uh, Chops and I, that when you drink bourbon, you don't burp. So the burping that goes on when discussing Bo's favorite drink, uh, I don't want to say he was insulted by it, but I guess if you do, if you drink the way like I do, like I'll crush a couple of beers, maybe after the show today, I'll do some burping. But if you're doing the fine bourbon route, the must be nice money, then you shouldn't be burping at all. I guess just, that's just an, a quick aside as I'm doing a train of thought stream of conscience uh, radio. Tyvis, there was some news yesterday about one Cardell Jones signing with the Edmonton Elks of the Canadian Football League. Uh, I think yes. you and I had discussed this when he threw with CJ Stroud a couple weeks ago at Ohio State's Pro Day. It had been one of those, he's just staying out there to keep the dream alive. I mean, this is a guy who's probably still, I don't know if athletic prime's the right word, but can sling it as well as he's ever been able to. And I'm a fan of, if you're not dead, keep chasing that dream. Absolutely. I mean, think about it now. Quarterbacks, at the quarterback position in particularly, I mean, they're playing up to 40s nowadays. As long as you can sling that ball, and Cardell has always been a guy who his arm strength is is unbelievable. It's out of this world. I mean, he can deliver that football with the best of them. Um, I know he's been training since about January, maybe December, cause with hopes of trying to get back into the NFL. But uh, I guess – that he must impress a little bit at pro day throwing it with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and them because here he is getting a phone call and he's going to the CFL. So, you know, that's, that should be really good for him. You know, that's a chance for him to, you know, get some tape out there. Obviously he hasn't been in, let's see, the NFL hadn't really seen him since the DC defenders in the XFL league, which was in 2020. So it's been a couple of years. This would be a chance for him to show that, you know, he's improved on areas that he needed to improve on. He can show his leadership by being able to help a team because Edmonton was not uh, a great team in the CFL last year. I want to say they may have been the third worst team in the CFL, maybe. So it'll be a chance for him to take a, a organization and try to get them to the playoffs and hopefully win a championship where the great cup. And I think the Canadian football league seasons starting up here, uh, in early June. So it'll be exciting to watch, yes. uh, Cardale sling the thing, um, up in Canada. And yeah, try to win a great cup. So how long were you in the, uh, CFL for? I only did last year. I did a training camp. And, you know, everything that got pushed back, they should be starting up, actually, because Edmonton actually reached out to me and JT and Jalen both reached out to me and wanted me to come play for them because they coach wanted me to play safety there. Um, They should be starting up here in two days. They should be heading out there in two days. And I told them, obviously, you know, now that I have a kid, I just had a newborn. There was no way that I was going out there and leaving my wife with a with a almost two-year-old and a newborn she you know she wasn't she wasn't going for that so therefore i couldn't do that and in the same announcement um where edmonton said that they've uh signed cardell jones they also moved jt barrett who had signed with the team uh, earlier this year to the retired list um for an injury similar to kind of what he suffered um uh, well i don't know if the i don't know how many achilles injuries um has jt had if it's more than two well, when he was with Ohio State, I don't think it was a key. I think it was a knee. It was a, it, it was an ankle. No, it was an ankle okay. injury with a, with Ohio State. He suffered this Achilles injury because I believe he suffered it last year. He was supposed to play in the CFL last year for another team, and he ended up, while training, like a week before he went out there, he ended up tearing it while he was training. And then he rehabbed, got back, um, and now this year – 
he's been rehabbing, you know, still getting it, still trying to get it to be a hundred percent. And I think he, t- he, he told me he tore it again while he was rehabbing again recently. So unfortunately that's two ace, uh, Achilles t- tears. And that's why he ended up being on the injury list. But now after I talked to him, we text last night, he's in good spirits. Um, nobody needs to worry about it. He's still going to continue to pursue that dream when he gets back he said that this is just a small bump in the road and this ain't never stopped nothing is what he said it's his direct quote you know it's just a little bump in the road and it will happen for him in due time he just got to make things happen best of luck to cardale best of luck to jt keep chasing the dream again you're not in the ground so keep pushing forward with that i'm absolutely a proponent um, for doing that we're going to table our dan orlovsky justin fields conversation because yes there was something else that had happened in terms of orlovsky kind of hot taking uh in regards to justin fields and if he has really the cachet to do such a thing uh, after what he said about fields before the nfl draft but coming up next because tyvis welcomed his second child earlier this week now he's a veteran dad and if he'd had <laughs> if he has because of course he has advice that he would have given to rookie dad Tyvis and maybe there's some rookie parents out there that could learn a lot from this next segment. We're going to do all of that coming out of this next break. It's Sports Saturday on the Fan. So much soccer your head will explode. Inside the Crew, Tuesday night at 8. Proud to be your flagship home for crew soccer. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Sports Saturday here on The Fan, Eric Reeser, Bodie Wells, and for the second time, new dad, Tyvis Powell, till 3 o'clock today, so it was on Tuesday of this week, the Powell family grew by one, bringing in to the world, Milani Joe Powell, a wonderful baby girl, Tyvis, your second daughter, so now you are yes. as outnumbered as one man can be in the Powell <laughs> household, congratulations, of course, because it's a wonderful thing. You've had a phenomenal week. That Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show announcement. You can see Tyvis next week on the YouTube, 11 to 1. But I don't know. How are you feeling sleep-wise? Listen, <laughs> I got to tell everybody, sleep is for the week. You know? <laughs> sleep it's, when it's, you're dead. <laughs> sleep when you're dead, you know? It's, uh, it's not as bad as I, I, I try to make it seem sometimes. Like, I get... It's just, okay, so what it is, if you're not, I'm so used to having just seven to eight hours uninterrupted sleep. Like, okay, if I, if I wake up, I wake up maybe once out of that, check the time, go back to sleep. But now it's like, you can go 30 minutes, wake up, you can go an hour, wake up, or you can go two hours and wake up. And that's where it's like, <laughs> you just never know because you got to sleep light. So any noise that you hear, it wakes you up immediately. And that's where the problem is starting to occur. All right. So if you could go back in a time machine and talk to Tyvis while he was expecting his first <laughs> daughter, and you, would, you, would you A, go do that? Or do you think it would be important for Tyvis at that point in your life to experience the things that you did with your first girl in the moment without kind of knowing what you do now? Or would you be like, I'm getting that time machine. I'm going to help my boy out. So, uh, see, that's the thing. Knowing me, I could have went back and talked to my younger self. But 
the mindset that I always have is I have to see it to believe it. You know, people can tell you all like, like they tell you, they advise you on things, but until I actually see it, like you, you don't know how you're going to handle something until you actually in the moment. So you could prepare for it, but like I said, I, I wasn't ready. So yes, I would give myself the talk, but I don't know how much <laughs> of it I would believe in my own self. <laughs> all right. So I, I'm, I'm assuming and I'm hoping that there are some parents out there that are expecting or that have just welcomed a child into the world for the first time. And so we've done some Dr. Strange time maneuvering. And now we do have <laughs> your younger self within our listening audience. What would you say to him and any rookie parents out there to help them uh, with their first child? Now that you have another one that has arrived in this world and you're kind of a couple days removed from that. Well, off the bat, I would definitely tell them to be ready to give up sleep. You know, that's everybody says that about being a parent, being a first time parent. And it's, you know, it's I didn't like I said, I didn't believe it. I'm like, OK, give up sleep. That's I got up. I play football. So like I had to get up at six. It was times I got up at five, four, all that. So what do you mean? Give up sleep. Like that's easy. No, it's like I said, it's it happens in spurts. It's 30 minutes. You get a 30 minute nap, maybe an hour nap maybe two hour nap like it's all naps until like they you can get them through the night which takes maybe six months maybe anyway so that would be the first part right there be ready to give up sleep my second thing is to make sure if for a father if you're a father <laughs> and you got a newborn just just make sure that you get up with your wife okay make sure you get up every time you get every time the baby starts crying and you hear it get up and whether obviously my wife's breastfeeding right now so it's not a lot that i can do but i learned that just being up and just being able to talk to her you know conversate with her obviously we both very tired but it's keeping her awake you know it's making her feel like okay i'm not alone like i can have somebody to talk to maybe if i need to if she needs a break she can just hand her off to me and i can burp her or something like that change a diaper anything that's so make sure if you're a father get up every time your wife gets up the third thing would be be the one to give the bath now this is one that i didn't do necessarily a lot with my first child because i was scared i'm not gonna lie i was scared <laughs> i didn't want to i didn't want to do completely something understandable yeah i didn't want to do something wrong like or like the tub the little bathtub fall through and she fall in and like and my wife look at me crazy but now that I, i'm a vet in this game like that's a that's a time to bond with your daughter, like to see like like oh man, look at her, she got soft hair, or she like look at her, like look at her look, she look like me, or she look like my mom, like let's look like my mama right there. You know what I said? Just it's a time to bond with your daughter or your son, and that's something that you know it'll grow, like it'll help the relationship as things get older. Number four, change as many diapers as you can. Why do I say that? Before, if nobody knows this, before I had my own daughter, I didn't really deal a lot with kids at all. Like I didn't hold ki nobody's kids. I didn't change nobody's <laughs> diaper. None of that. I, Cause I was like, I ain't I, for a long time. I always said I wasn't having kids to begin with. But when I had my first daughter, I was the one to change like all her diapers because my wife had a C-section, so she couldn't really move out the bed a lot. So anytime my daughter had a, a poop or something or a pee, I had to change the diaper. And it became real cool because now I can look back and be like, hey, you know, 
Like I, I was the one to change your first two diapers. So, you know, like it's cool to be able to say that. And I have gotten so good at it right now. Yeah, I'm a lean, mean diaper changing machine. Like I, I can, I can change diapers with the best of them. I okay? wanted to ask though, <laughs> it, like in the first week with your new daughter, are there times where like you find yourself going, "Oh man, when I when I was a rookie dad, like I had no idea," and like you catch yourself going, "Like I'm a pro at this." Oh yeah, absolutely. Every time, especially when it comes to diaper change, it's just like I, I I went from literally not knowing how to do it. The nurse <laughs> had to teach me how to change the diaper because I had no idea how to do it. To now, look at me now, like I know how to get the I know how to get the ointment. I got to make sure I get the A and D going. I got to get the the wipes, the perfect wipes. I got to make sure I know how to wipe the area properly. Oh, e, I'm telling you, I'm a legend. I am a legend right now. <laughs> My wife is very proud of me for being able to do this such a thing now when we wake up now that i have two kids every morning we wake up and my wife decides to change my the newborn's diaper and i change my almost two-year-old daughter's diaper and it's hilarious because it's like my daughter my, my new daughter well not my new daughter my older daughter kind of knows the the situation she like gets in position now and it makes it easy on her father so it's, it's a beautiful thing and my last advice would be now this is this one is big Rock as a man, be the one to rock your kid to sleep. And I'm going to tell you why. It, with my first daughter, my wife did. She tried to do a lot of it. Like she tried to take it on her, upon herself to be the one to rock the baby. After she, you know, obviously breastfed the baby, she'd be the one to try to rock her and put her back to sleep. And a lot of the times, my daughter didn't respond. So she would be up like in the middle of the night walking like downstairs trying to rock rock her to sleep and just taking her around the house just walking around with her and my daughter would continue to cry so one night i said you know what give me here let me see let me see her <laughs> and i grabbed her and i started rocking her you know what happened e? she went right Not to like sleep. a light I went right to bed and i was like wow like i so i thought it was fluke so i started doing it some more and come to find out, e, I got the magic touch. <laughs> and I I learned, like, it wasn't a fluke thing because I just did it again last night with my new daughter. She was crying and my wife couldn't get her to stop. So I was like, come on, give her to me, baby. You, you, let, let me see her. And I rocked her and she went right to sleep. So I learned that I have the magic touch with my kids. And that right there makes me feel like the man. Like if, if things go bad, like just give her to me and I, and things will go, I'll get everything back on track. And I did, I would have never known that had I never stepped up and decided to start trying to rock my daughter to sleep. So as a man, as a father, try it because you might be the one to save your wife and she might get a lot of sleep because of it. And That's I'm, my five tips. And I'm wondering, uh, just as you're saying all of these, and uh, <laughs> I hope there are people out there taking notes with this, um, <laughs> if you have any like transferable qualities or transferable skills from the NFL as a defensive back that you do, because you got to have your fa- you got to have your hands, you've always got to be moving your hips, moving your feet, you know, your head on a swivel that transfers over to being a new dad. I tell you what, <laughs> so. Thinking quick and moving fast on your feet definitely transfer. I'm going to tell you right now. So the other day, my daughter, my older daughter, this is before, this was, so this had to be on Monday. My, she was sitting on the bed, like laying like towards the edge of the bed and she went to grab something and she started falling off the bed. 
And out of nowhere, my, I got down in the football stands and grabbed her by the leg and saved her right before her head hit the floor. I was like, oh, I still got it. I still move fast. E. I still can move feet quick on my feet. So that right there lets me know that the athleticism is still there. I was about to say, you're kind of looking around if there are any, like, if the baby camera's up or if you've got anything that's documented that. That's game <laughs> film. That's game tape that you send now out listen, because. Clinic, that's teach tape right there. Everybody needs to pay attention. I got down in the athletic stands and grabbed her, like, boom, right before she hit the ground. Oh, it was beautiful. Because you can talk about your goal line situations in the Super Bowl. You can talk about your goal line <laughs> situations in national championship games. But when your, your daughter's health is on the line, is no more <laughs> pressure-packed scenario you can find yourself in. And you responded as a professional. I tell you what, you'd be surprised <laughs> when you when you, when, you, when you see your kid about to do something bad and it's gonna kill or hurt him. Oh, you will be you'll move really, really, really fast. Like I, it's to the point where I see my wife do it, and she's like still in recovery, and she still can grab stuff, snatch stuff real quick. It's it's amazing. You never know how athletic you are until you get put in that situation. So has this week changed? Because I know you're a guy who. Uh, is is routine focused who you know is up in the morning working out trying to keep the body ready for that phone call how's this week been for you on that front i've been going later you know usually i've been a 535 wake up guy i'll get to the gym now when i get to the gym (laughs) (laughs) i get there when i get there now i think uh i didn't go we went to the hospital. I went Tuesday before we went to the hospital. I got up at 6. Uh, that was the last time I got up early. Um, and then Wednesday, obviously, I was in the hospital. Thursday, I was in the hospital, but we came home. Friday, though, I did go, but I didn't go at 6. I ended up going at 8. So that that's, uh, that's where I'm at with it. I got to just I gotta make sure the wife is good and she can hand, hold it down for at least an hour while I go get right. And if she tells me yes, and she can handle it, I'll go work out. If she can't, then I'll get my workout with the kids. Because so much with the workout and the routine is keeping your body right, but it keeps your mind right. Because, you you know, once you get out of that, it does start to kind of mess with you psychologically. It does. It's, it's, it's great to build a routine. I tell you what, when I went back on Friday after not doing anything for two days, I was impressed at how, because I thought my fatigue window would have went down. Like, I thought I'd be tired. I yeah. got on the treadmill and ran. I actually did better than I was <laughs> doing before. I was like, man, I, I, got, I need a phone call today. The way I'm feeling. All right. So hopefully everybody took notes there. Everybody's ready. Rookie parents out there of the advice given to you by veteran dad but anything else give him a follow on twitter at one tyvis i'm sure as he documents the journey into his second with his second child you of course ask him questions or hit him with anything else like maybe his take on giannis antetokounmpo being i don't know the best or most dominant player since Shaq. we're gonna have to talk about that that's coming up next it's sports saturday here on the fan feel unappreciated things not working out the way you imagined bad news sometimes life sucks good news we don't the fan ohio sports destination sports saturday on the fan eric reeser time is pal Bodie wells until three o'clock today before we get into justin fields and the situation he's found himself in with the chicago bears this from our very own Tyvis Powell yesterday, sitting in for Anthony Rothman on Rothman and Ice. Giannis is the most dominant player in NBA history other than Shaq. Explain I'm yourself. Wrong. I'm not wrong. Listen, nobody can stop that man, like, at all, period. Like, Shaq was, Shaq was a problem, for sure, 100%. That's why 
If, listen, if you was to start a franchise, okay, let me ask you this. If you was to start a franchise, you could pick any player in NBA history. Who would be your number one pick? LeBron. Are you serious? Yes. Listen, Shaq could not be stopped, okay? <laughs> like, at all. Like, when you got, when you got Shaq in the, you know you getting two points, like, easily. Like, there's nothing that anybody can do about it. And we're picking how, in their primes, right? Yes. Okay. That's that's how I feel about Giannis right now. There's no way. There's nobody that can stop Giannis. If Giannis wants to score, he can score. Every this is the thing. Listen, listen. Giannis is considered the best player in the NBA right now. Okay, I agree. Giannis is Giannis is not a three point shooter. He's not even really that much of a jump shooter. He's developed it, but it's not his strong thing. Everybody knows Giannis is going to the cup. Nobody can stop Giannis. Giannis is still like what third in the, in scoring in the NBA this season. Come on, man, that's dominant. Like you know what the guys gonna do, and there's nothing you could do about it. Like he averages as many points as Kevin Durant, and Kevin Durant is a shooter. Steph Curry is a shooter. They shooting threes, he's shooting twos, and still getting it done. Come on, E, don't do this. Don't do this. I just I wanted you to respond uh, to the take that you gave yesterday. Some called it hot. I think it's accurate. I, I think he is. Well, I don't know if it, I, it, it, there's some accuracy it's to a, it. When we, it was all you. said and done with the career of Giannis Antetokounmpo, we will be saying that similarly. You and you will have a lot of more people saying it because it does feel like throughout this season, he hasn't been up there in discussions because he wasn't. He was around for the MVP discussion, but he was just there. It was mostly centered on Jokic, and it was also on Embiid. And now, likely, Jokic will win the award um, when that thing is given out. But Giannis, for from a what does my presence mean to my team, is up there, uh, maybe the most important in the league. And yes, it was funny uh, because everybody keeps putting a microphone in front of Scottie Pippen for some reason. He had, <laughs> he was asked his all time top five, and he had Barkley in there, and then thought about it, pulled Barkley out. Threw Giannis in. Of course, Pippen put himself in that, but <laughs> that's because it's Scottie Pippen. But I do well, agree Scott. with adding Giannis into the all-time greats discussion because, again, when his career's over, we will be having that, and there will be a, if you say he's not, you're going to be questioned. I I actually agree with that wholeheartedly. I mean, listen, Giannis, and he does it on both on both sides of the floor. Yes. Like, oh, like, come on. Oh, oh. LeBron, I mean, LeBron is great. He is. He's getting old, but is he really still locking people up like that? Is he a, a defensive presence like he used to be? No. I don't really of believe. Of course not. I don't believe so. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't like, think anybody would argue Kev, that. Is, Kev, is Kevin Durant? No. Like, no. The only person that's arguably can say that is Joel Embiid. Like, Embiid. But he ain't, like, I mean, you know, he definitely is a problem in that paint, but... Yeah, it's just it's Giannis, man, and right. and it's a and to have a guy that don't care about personal accolades, not like at all. Just want to do it like that's come on, man. That's, what's next? That, and I this, can't. It's not even up a discussion. And I can't imagine because uh, we remember with at points in the careers of Kevin Durant or in James Harden, there didn't feel like there was anybody that was a hater. Giannis still has that, while Durant and Harden have gone complete opposite directions. With There's everybody uh, that's a hater for those two guys. The one thing I did want to ask you, just real quick before we get to our break, and we'll table the Justin Fields discussion for the next hour, but Ben Simmons had been reported to make his Nets debut in Game 4 or Game 5 of their first-round series uh, against the Celtics, but back issues forced him out. 
Earlier this week, he got surgery on his back and is expected to miss three to four months. Now, I know there's a lot of people out there that have been saying he's charm and soft, that this is a Ben Simmons issue. But over the past couple of days, Tyvis, I've kind of done a 180 on that in thinking that the, the Nets did him a disservice in teasing him out there when at the end of this kind of, I guess, this saga from when he gets traded from Philadelphia to where he sits on the bench for Brooklyn and he's kind of just floating in the ether out there. It requires surgery to fix what's been ailing his back. Maybe the Nets did him dirty by even teasing the idea. I actually agree with that. They should have. They should have just let him stay hurt. Like if he yeah. was hurt, they should have never even tried to force him out of there. Out there, that way people wouldn't. Because if, if the problem with Ben Simmons is he already got a bad rep. Everybody remembers him for that playoff stuff that he did with the Sixers. Yep. And everybody wanted to see how he would bounce back. And if he truly had a back injury. And it was something that was like this severe that it required surgery. Then it shouldn't even been a thing for him to even talk about coming back out there until he got that fixed, especially at that point. Because when you teased him coming back like the it, I think the Nets were down already two to nothing. So it was like this is game right, four, this is, and they yeah, needed it. Is, yeah, like, now it's like, oh, he has to come back. Like, now if he don't come back, it's like he's letting his boys out, to, to leaving his boys out to dry, which is what it looks like. But if he was was really hurt that whole time like that, then they should never even thought of, even brought it up. It shouldn't even been a thought. He, no, he would never be playing this season, and that's the end of that story. So, yeah, they kind of definitely did him, because I, I look at that him in a different light for sure. I called him kind of soft myself, because that's a shame that your boys need you out there, and you can go, but you don't want to go. But yeah. now that I see that he has surgery, that changes the whole narrative. Not a great situation. Also, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a bad situation for Fields, but we will discuss that and... Could the NCAA make snitches out of student-athletes? Both of those things coming up next in a big third hour of the program, Sports Saturday, here on The Fan. Chris Holtman's favorite radio show at 6 o'clock on this station, The Buckeye Show. Weeknights at 6. The Fan. Ohio sports destination. Hey. All right, so what we really need to do, um, from what Bodie just said in that update, they're in the bottom of the fifth in Cincinnati with the Reds having a 2-1 lead over the Pirates. Because yesterday, a fan had posted, or earlier this week, a fan had posted on the Reds subreddit that in the top of the fourth inning, he was going to climb the stacks out there in the outfield at Great American Ballpark, scaling the wall to defecate in the bed of the Toyota Tundra that sits there. And I wonder, because last night's game was rained out, and this is the game that they were supposed to be playing, we're in the bottom of the fifth. Bodie, you have the next 56 minutes to figure out if that fan did, in fact, scale, attempt to scale, and if he was able to take a dookie in the Toyota Tundra. That's really what's important. If we do anything else in the next hour of the show, we have to figure out whether or not he did it in game one, or maybe he's planning his diabolical scheme in game two. I would say, please don't do it on Mother's Day. That's just time and place. Guy threatening to take a crap at a ballpark outside of the restroom. But just only the important things here. Sports Saturday rolling along until three o'clock. Eric Reeser, Tyvis Powell, of course, as you heard from Bodie Wells in that last update. The Guardians and the Blue Jays are five minutes out from first pitch in their traditional doubleheader today up in Cleveland. They got rained out yesterday. Almost everybody, Tyvis, uh, from Illinois to the East Coast had their game postponed. So everybody doing what they can to try to make things up today. I think there was a a Yankees game that they were supposed to play against. 
the Rangers that's already been postponed in the Bronx. So as weather continues to move east, um, probably going to have a couple more before the day is over. But Tyvis, it's survive in advance. Monday comes the sun. I know, right? That's a, listen, it's going to be a beautiful Monday. <laughs> you know, it's, I think so. They, it should be a holiday, actually. That's what they should do. They should let people, or at least let people get off work earlier because they need to celebrate and soak up some of that sun. Even though I think it's, I think we might be a past the, the April showers, bring May flowers part. I think we might make it officially so. in the April showers. You know, they, that orange orb in the sky might come out maybe tomorrow. Maybe a nice sunny Mother's Day uh, to all of the mothers out there and all of those who observe that holiday. But I, I think we're good. I, once we get out today, things will be sunny and life will continue with the big orange orb, <laughs> the big orange orb in the sky, like it's supposed to in May. Um, well, now if you were not in Ohio, yeah, I mean, but this is this is Ohio. You just never know what you're gonna get. That's not a good thing. You say it like that's it's exa- like an it's exciting. exciting. Thing. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, it's like that. a movie trailer. It's like you, I gotta see. I'm anxious to see what. That's a straight has. to Netflix streaming movie trailer. Although <laughs> they've done some pretty damn good ones that have gone just straight to the streaming service, but. We don't have straight to DVD. That insult really doesn't fly anymore because a lot of great films have gone just straight to the streaming or straight to DVD. Um, but to your point, trying to make the best out of a bad situation, I think that's what the Reds are trying to do. Got a 2-1 lead, um, hoping to snap that nine-game slide, improve the 4-22 and on the season. I think both you and I had said that while this is going to be a tough year for Cincinnati, uh, they're not going to hit that mark of, I believe, 104 losses that is the top all. of the 101 losses is the worst record for the Cincinnati Reds in terms of L's they have accumulated in a single season in the modern era. The Mets in 62 of 120 losses. I don't think they touched that, but they might flirt with the 19 Tigers who had 114 losses. But we will keep you abreast to any scoring that is done by the Cincinnati Reds or the Pittsburgh Pirates. So the NFL draft, when it came to an end, um, as everybody likes to do, is rank and give their opinions for how teams carried themselves uh, over the four days in Las Vegas and the Chicago Bears didn't in my opinion help out their starting quarterback but I don't know if that's the indictment and I I talked about this yesterday with Chops Tyvis and that Dane Brugler of the Athletics said that the Bears had his 26th favorite draft class so there's only 32 teams so when he says the 26th favorite he really means it wasn't a draft that should wow anybody and and while there weren't a lot of guys they got a wide receiver from tennessee in the third round um or fifth round pick excuse me so missing that number one for justin Fields. he's got a new head coach in matt eberflu they have a new general manager they're going to be moving from soldier field into the suburbs here in a couple of years But when a new regime comes in and they've got a quarterback going into the second year of his rookie deal, it's one of those situations to where if he doesn't show out and wow, they are more likely than not to move on from him because there's another Buckeye quarterback that's sitting and waiting in the wings for 2023. And really, I think once we get to December, January of next year, it's who's winning the CJ Stroud sweepstakes. Yes. You know, it's interesting that you that people put it like that. I think, to be honest with you, if they do go with that plan to try to move on from Justin Fields, it probably could be the best thing for Justin Fields' career. I mean, I like the way that 
a lot of teams approached this draft this season. You know, they looked at the quarterback prospects and they was going off of the fact, was the quarterback a guy that could come in to be our franchise quarterback? Can we pay this guy, you know, these $200 million in four or five years? And if the answer was no and it was too much of a project, then what they did was they, they got other areas in line. I'll, for one team that comes to mind is the Detroit Lions. You know, they could have had, they had many times to draft a quarterback. You know, they had, obviously they had the second pick of the draft and they decided to go with the DM from the team up north. And then they went with Jamison Williams. They traded back into the first to get Jamison Williams. And that's a smart pickup by them. Then they ended up getting a running back, I think. I think they ended up getting, I want to say, or did they, no. Ooh, they got somebody. No, they got DJ Shark out of free agency. So they, they addressed their office, but they didn't touch the quarterback position because if things don't work out with Jared Goff this year, then they can get a quarterback, obviously, next season with CJ and Bryce Young and those coming out. And I feel like if the Chicago Bears should have kind of took that same similar approach where they should have got Justin some, some wide receivers so you can get an honest look and assessment on if you want him to be your franchise quarterback. You, there, you can't really get an honest look if you got a guy who doesn't really have anybody to throw the ball to. Like that's, like you don't know if he's good or not. And if I'm Justin, I'm going out there playing a great season. If they want to trade me, I think uh, I think it'll be it won't be like a Baker Mayfield situation. I think it'll be many teams that will step up and try to draft Justin because of the things he was able to do just last season with the with the roster that he had. He was out there wowing people and making these plays with with his legs and making all of the throws. So I think he could find a home very easily. And you shouldn't want to be a part of an organization that doesn't want you there, anyways. In the saying all the right things department. You had Ryan Poles, the brand new general manager of the Chicago Bears, quote, we're all in on Justin. I believe in Justin. Our coaches believe in Justin. Like I said from the beginning, we're going to set him up to succeed. The words don't necessarily flow with the actions of the team as they went out and got two defensive players um, with their first two picks in this draft. Kyler Gordon in the second round from Washington and then Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State with their uh, 48th overall selection in the second round. They got Villas Jones Jr., the wide receiver from Tennessee, in the third round. Then they went and got an offensive tackle from Southern Utah in the fifth round. But you feel like, Tyvis, if they were really trying to help out their rookie quarterback, the first step, because Allen Robinson's gone, is getting him a number one, a true number one, and then getting him an actual offensive lineman and to help establish that line. And maybe they should have done that in free agency, but there weren't a whole lot of moves you saw from Chicago in terms of acquiring talent, much like what you had the one job for the Cincinnati Bengals. Help the yes. offensive line. Put that together to help Joe Burrow, and they did that. So in the draft, they didn't really have to make a lot of moves for the O-line because they'd done that in free agency, and the, you saw what the Bengals did with Daxton Hill, and I thought Cincinnati had a wonderful draft because the needs that they had weren't like crucial needs. They were help to develop and help to get depth. Chicago Bears didn't really do any of that, and look, I don't necessarily think that Poles is lying, but what else is he going to say? Um, this interestingly enough from Dan Orlovsky, Justin Fields has two pass catchers drafted in the third round or earlier two, a third round rookie wide receiver and a second round tight end. He doesn't have a number one or a number two. His starting wide receiver unit consists of an undrafted fifth round pick undrafted. Those are the three different wide receivers. If he plays well, he will be in the MVP conversation. I don't, I tell you, I agree with that. 100%. I think I do too. 
I think this I, take I, by Dan is much, much better for Fields than his last Justin Fields take that went viral. But I am worried uh, about Justin Fields I, in a situation in Chicago. I am too because it's it's not fair. He's he's a really good quarterback. Like, and I don't know why you wouldn't want to at the at the least get an offensive line. I mean, I think that was probably the worst thing last year for him is that he was running for his life because his offensive line wasn't that great. So how could you not at least protect your franchise quarterback in your future by getting an offensive line? Like that's that part to me is crazy. The wide receiver thing, if you're a good offensive coordinator, you can scheme up plays and get your guys open like that. I mean, you see we see these these coaches or these teams in the NFL get moving off of these veteran wide receivers because they see that these rookies is coming in and being as effective with the Justin Jeffersons, the Jamar Chases. You know, you got those guys that's coming in these past couple of drafts and really made an instant impact that they're having. And this wide receiver class was so deep in the draft that it made sense for those guys to do that. But you're telling me the Chicago Bears couldn't put a play together to get at least one of those guys, or they couldn't put a play together to get at least some good offense alignment to at least protect him? I mean, you can get away with just running the ball and running a quarterback boot off of that. I mean, there's been many a teams that get to the to the postseason by just running the ball all the time. But you don't even – it just seems like – I don't know. It's just – and then they hired the defensive-minded coach. Amber Flynn. And it was – yeah, it's just – right now, it just don't give me the vibe that they, they appreciate Justin. Now, I hope we're absolutely all wrong as hell and that he is able to put together um, enough with what's around him. But I just keep going back to the Browns game. He got killed. They killed him out there, and they tried to make him be Andy Dalton. And then they tried to make Andy Dalton a thing when everybody in the world was telling Matt Nagy, who deserved the firing that he got, dude, you drafted him in the uh, in the first round. You moved up to get him, this rookie quarterback in Justin Fields. Don't use him like Andy Dalton because he's not Andy Dalton. <laughs> yeah, it is. So I, I, I just I hope that they don't. I hope that they got a plan. They 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 about to make a free agent sign. I don't know if it's still some good free free agents. <laughs> they better make a they better make a trade or a free agent sign, and that's just gonna be like okay, I can see it now. But right now, I just don't see it. No, right now the plan for the Chicago Bears does not seem to be great. College football's plan for what the hell to do in this new era of name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal and pay to play doesn't seem like it's a good one. They've had their time to make a good plan before this all went green. Now I I think they're scrambling. Um, We'll see. We'll tell you what they're trying to do. We'll tell you what they're going to hope to do, who they're begging to get them to help them, and how this is all going to look less than a year out from when name, image, and likeness went green. That's next at Sports Saturday here on The Fan. All the dumb things we say are on demand when you want them. Just utilize the computer chip we've implanted into your brain. The Fan, Ohio Sports Destination. Eric Reeser, Tyvis Powell, Bodie Wells, Sports Saturday here on The Fan until 3 o'clock today. Get you out to some ESPN radio. I think there's a face-punching special on from 4 to 6. But at 7.15 tonight, the Columbus crew are in New England to take on the Revolution. Chris Dorn will have the call of that match right here for you. Again, 7-15 uh, for the crew and the Revs. Tyvis, what's worse for college football? Bijan Robinson getting an endorsement deal with Lamborghini of Austin or mm. former, now former Pittsburgh wide receiver Jordan Addison getting a lump sum 
to play at USC or allegedly receiving a lump sum to possibly play at USC. I don't think anything's been official yet, but there's been some politicking, if you'll call it, openly you know now, what? I guess, because Caleb you know Williams what? was like out there about it. E, this is ridiculous. Like it, it's ridiculous. I, I, I am, I'm one that I get. Like the Bijan Robinson thing, that's fine. Like that's cool that you get. You know, you're such a. Even a 19 year old a Lambo. Lamborghini wants to wants to endorse you. That's fine. You earned. But uh, but the 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 Jordan Addison one is the one that really bothers me the most because. He they they abusing it like you can't you making a kid who wasn't a Belitnikov tra- change decide to get in the transfer portal for some money like you persuade him that you can't do that that's bribery you can't make somebody leave just to just for some money like that don't make sense like I don't I think it has to be a line drawn somewhere like this that's ridiculous e that this man is going to leave his university because they offering him which I hear is like 3 million dollars or something like that something absurd just for him to come to USC or wherever, if he does go to USC, wherever he decides to go, he got this lump sum of money. That That's where I think you've taken it too far. This from Brian Hartline yesterday, quote, I think NIL was created to have Outback Steakhouse and Bose headphones and people like that reach out and market with young athletes, not for collectives to go out there and like buy players, end quote. And I, I, I think he's got a point. And <laughs> the NCAA Board of Directors will meet Monday. Uh, and one of the things that they will discuss amongst, you know, they got to find a new boss because Mark Emmert's going to step down in 2023 are guidelines that have been drawn up by some bigwigs in the sport of college football. Um, Gene Smith, I believe, was out in Phoenix, Arizona earlier this week. Um, Colorado's athletic director, Rick George, had some uh, very candid comments on the situation. He was out there with Gene drafting a set of guidelines, um, some rules to try to get name, image, likeness under control in regards to buying players, collectives, paying people out of the portal. This whole process um, has been a free-for-all since it went green on July 1 of last year. And look, I know it's not going to be helpful to look back and say that this was the bed that they made through the decades of ignoring things like this because, let's be honest, they ignored it. Outside of a couple of a couple times where they punished schools for what now is legal, this was largely ignored. This was largely not dealt with And we'd been saying this, at least I know I had since I had a microphone in front of my face, and you probably did when you were a student at Ohio State, that there's going to come a point where this is going to be a thing. And so they, because states were starting to move in that direction, now university administrators and the NCAA are trying to scramble less than eight months after the NCAA kind of just threw their hands in the air and said, what do you want us to do about it? Well, now I guess the university administrators as part of a task force to review NIL are finalizing additional guidelines that are expected to clarify that boosters and booster led collectives are prohibited from involvement in recruiting. And this is to sports illustrated. The guidelines will provide more guidance to member schools on what many administrators say are NIL disguise quote, play for play, pay for play deals orchestrated by donors to induce prospects recruit players off other college teams and to retain their own athletes. So if these drafts get, if this, these guidelines go green on Monday from the NCAA on their board of directors meeting, that's them going to try to, I don't know if 
they're going to try to be the cops here in this situation. And Pat Forty uh, (laughs) writes for Sports Illustrated, quote, uh, text from someone in the NCAA compliance space on enforcing the collective recruiting tampering landscape. Quote, the student athletes that were getting these alleged offers from these collectives are probably going to be getting phone calls from enforcement to have a sit down. So what is the NCAA now going to when they've previously decided to wash their hands of the whole thing, try to step in (laughs) and enforce these? That, that's, How's that I gonna mean, go? Listen, e something got to give. Like they, they can't. You can't sit back and let this continue to go on. It could be stopped easily if you get, you know, some of these big time coaches like Nick Saban and Ryan Day. You get some of those guys to all jump on board with it. You know, I think that will kind of put a stop to it. But you know, and what it's doing is allowing people whoever got the money is gonna get the 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 best teams. And Texas, we about to see Texas make a comeback Are of, we? A, of the lifetime. Are we? I, yeah, we we it, it's. I tell you what, they got the money to do it. They got Texas A and M. They're paying Jimbo ten million dollars to go what nine and four, nine and five, ten and four. Are, Listen, and they they paid. Didn't, didn't, wait a minute. Didn't they just? Didn't Texas A and M just have like a top five recruiting class? Some would say they bought that recruiting class. It's my point exactly. It's giving them a chance. My, I would argue that right now we're seeing a boom on this, but we're not even a year into it really. And I think what's going to happen is, as the Macho Man Randy Savage once said, the cream will always rise. To the top. top. Oh, yeah, dig it was also part of that phrase. I can't do a very good Macho Man Randy Savage. But I I do think you're going to see a boom with all of this. What you're seeing from Texas, what you're seeing from Texas A&M, what you're seeing from USC, what you're seeing from Ohio State, what you're seeing from Alabama. But who are the top four teams in college football going to be this upcoming season? Is it going to be Texas? Is it going to be Texas A&M? Is it going to be USC? Am I? That's a lot of money for a... That's a lot of money for a... Eh, we hope this works out. And I think that's what you're going to see is when these things fall apart. Because B. John Robinson's got to get a damn Heisman for that investment by Lamborghini (laughs) of Austin to actually pay off. Now, I know Lamborghini doesn't need any help from this. They're doing this because it gets a lot of publicity. It gets us talking about Lamborghini of Austin on a random Saturday in May. But beside, aside from a national championship, people are going to be seeing returns on this and less likely went, to do this in the future. I think you know, you know, he almost he was in the Heisman race last year. Right? That's great, but he didn't win it. He didn't get invited well, to New York. Well, CJ need to if, 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 see. That's the thing. If I was a guy like CJ, I would think. Well, if he got Lamborghini, <laughs> I was about to say if you're if you're Stroud looking at your uh, your C four energy drink, your C four energy drink cutouts. Are you going? What? What? I'm the quarterback. I'm the I'm the he athlete. Par- I'm the position paramount in sport. You Listen, need he got, me. He got Lamborghini. Jordan Addison got got the bag. Allegedly the bag. <laughs> Man, listen. Yeah, y'all can do something for me now. Do something for me. All the stuff I done did. <laughs> so to try to combat what, this along with what, these guidelines, that's what the problem going to occur right there. Well, I think you'd said it earlier. You crushed it earlier with Nick Saban, Ryan Day. Those have to be where this change comes from. You've heard so many. Every time Nick Saban gets a microphone put in front of him, he'll bitch about this. But he is the guy arguably with the most power in sport. And so if he wants change to happen, might he want to be the catalyst for it? And I know you're saying that's not what he's getting paid to do. That's not his job. Well, guess what? If you're sick of how things are going – 
it's probably time to stop relying on people like the NCAA and the United States government who are horrible at bringing on actual change in a timely fashion and doing it yourself. Gene Smith had some interesting comments that he was, quote, just throwing out there. We'll discuss those next and what that could mean for the state of college football going forward. It's Sports Saturday here on The Fan. So much soccer, your head will explode. Inside the crew, Tuesday night at 8. Proud to be your flagship home for crew soccer. The Fan, Ohio sports destination. I don't know about you, Tyvis, but I think I do my best thinking when I'm either on the toilet or in the shower. <laughs> I think a lot of people do, actually. Right? I, I think That's so. Act- a lot of great ideas come when you sit on that throne, for sure. And so we'll <laughs> never actually know where these ideas came up for Gene Smith. Uh, maybe he was taking the Browns to the Super Bowl. Maybe he was getting his morning shower, and the thought occurred to him that, you know what, college football just needs to be governed by college football, not the NCAA. Um, in an interview earlier this week when he was out in Arizona discussing uh, these, these uh, NCAA NIL transfer portal guidelines that will be put forth to the NCAA board of directors this week. Uh, Gene just threw the idea out there that those are his words, just throwing that out there. Cause you know, that's what Gene does. He just shoots from the hip. Never anything calculated by that man, right? That college football needs to just kind of secede not kind of actually secede from the NCAA and be governed by the college football playoff so that they can set establish and enforce things that are in their belief wildly out of control so a jordan addison situation wouldn't happen so uh well i so the jordan i imagine the jordan addison was probably one of the straws to break the camel's back absolutely the collectives probably didn't help either but to corral those and to get those into control of the college football power brokers they then make their own I guess their own executive committee that oversees the playoff, that oversees all of the the programs, that oversees the scholarship limits for those programs because there is a difference between college football and every other collegiate sport. Even college basketball is kind of in its own little universe um, because they have a designated NCAA president of basketball operations and they have March Madness. College football needs to, I, I agree with Gene, needs to go off into its own different area away from the ncaa because that body is about as useless as one gets tybus well that would definitely just kind of second the comments that i made about you know ryan day and coach saban stepping up i mean you get yeah. those guys who's actually the people because the ncaa don't really care no. they don't care about this stuff that it's only affecting the people that's actually it matters to that who, who obviously they can't compete or if it's just getting ridiculous like the Jordan Addison thing, they can see this whole thing going left. And that's kind of because, like I say, for the longest, I wasn't against a lot of it. Like, I, a lot of everything that was happening was cool. It was just happy. I was happy to see players get paid, you know. like What did it for you? What was deals, the one thing where you were like, all right, this is that, that, that Jordan Addison, okay. that, that's ridiculous. <laughs> like, you can't, that, that, you can't make somebody – transfer out of a school to and pay him to come play like after he would just won the Bolitnikov he had there's no reason for him to leave like I don't know why he's doing that so well, that's Kenny that's, Pickett's gone okay that that's, what they got to, Kenny was Kenny Pickett the one getting you wide open or was you getting wide open like that come on now that don't make no sense well he's got Caleb no. Williams to throw him the ball now or will no no uh-uh. that's ridiculous man uh 
I'm not. I ain't, there's nothing nobody could tell me because I wouldn't have never left Ohio State. They threw me three million dollars. I would have thought about it for sure. I, <laughs> I, I definitely would have thought about it. What's the number? <laughs> I definitely. It's a it's a loyalty thing. You know, I was raised differently. Like I'm a loyal guy. Like I'm not about to. Uh, I, I would have walked in there and told them, but listen, I got offered three million dollars. Y'all better give me at least one point five. <laughs> Well, I, I think in that situation, they'd have probably been able to come up with that. But again, you know what I'm saying like I ain't asking for three at one point five or, you know, do something for me now. <laughs> the people who don't quite get it would have argued that you're not a good teammate by trying to leverage that. And I'm, I would argue that he's just a businessman in a professional setting because college football is pro sports. Big time college football. What we've got going on down the street here in Columbus is a professional organization, a professional institution, and a professional program. I, listen, I would have said nothing amateur if about anybody, it. If anybody would have said something about that, I would have told them they would do it to me. If it was the other way around, in, in those shoes, anybody would do the same exact thing. I fully yeah, believe that, that if we, if if. If you were Jordan Addison and that they came to you, now you might have the the loyalty, and that's very commendable. But I would I would at least imagine in that situation, USC comes to you or the USC Collective comes to you and says three million bucks come out to uh, Los Angeles. You go to Pittsburgh and you say, "What can you do for me?" Why not? Why wouldn't you? That's 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 uh, that's to have the least. I mean, even in business, what like, can you do? For, exactly, that's a better. That's what you do in business for these yeah. student athletes <laughs> than going to an accounting or a biochem class. Like that's a real world scenario. You need to learn. You gotta, it's like it's like if you go to a job and you get a job and somebody throw another offer on the table. You the respectable thing to do before you take the deal is go back to your job that you currently at and tell them, look, this is what's going on. What can you do? Can you match this? Can, can you we work something out? If no, then you go ahead and handle your business. That's that's life. Mm-hmm. Capitalism, baby. Tyvis, how do you feel about name, image, and likeness for high school athletes? I am not with that one at all. That see, listen, it's gotta you gotta draw a line somewhere. E. They, I think if you do it at the high school level, <laughs> you opening up a can of worms. Wow. I, I really do. I think you have to put a cap limit on it. Like you can't give out these type of deals that these college kids are getting. There's no way that you because now you asking a high school kid to pay taxes, and they ain't they don't know nothing about no taxes. But it's and, a good no. spot for them to learn. Well, they can learn it in college too. Now, the can uh, might be cracking open a little bit as uh, the Ohio High School Athletic Association is going to have, amongst its 817 member schools, a vote between May 1st and May 15th. So we are in smack dab of the middle of it. And if 409 principals of those 817 member schools say yes, NIL will go into effect for the OHSAA member schools on May 2nd. That would put Ohio as just the 10th state in the country to permit name, image, likeness for high school athletes. Alaska, California, Colorado, Kansas, Louisiana, Nebraska, New Jersey, and New York, along with Utah, are the other nine schools. So I feel like this will go through. It will be green on May 2nd because of the fear of what happens if you don't. That's exactly why. But don't be left behind. It's... It's just like everything in life, you know. It's well, once one person opens the door, mm-hmm. you got to you got to do it, or you're gonna lose out on opportunities. So, I just hope that the kids they come up with some type of way that you know they they put a cap limit on it. Like I think that's what you put a cap limit on it. That way, 
Now, kids are able to pay the taxes on their money because I don't want to see it. It would be a shame to see a kid go down with for the IRS at the age of 16, 17 years old. Like, that was a shame. Imagine and a you, 18-year-old you, getting tax evasion for his name, image, and likeness in high school. It's not good. Like, no. It's, so, yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a hater. I want kids to get paid. I, they, I want them to get some money, but like I say, I want it to be done right. That's ultimately where I don't have no problem with anybody ever getting money. I just want it to be done right. I don't want to be them to be put in a situation where it's overwhelming. I, I, I think the OHSAA has a wonderful opportunity here to allow this to happen while also learning from the mistakes of the NCAA and from college institutions or from colleges and universities in how to when we when this does and I think it's more it's when probably May 2nd or absolutely May 2nd then you before that time before May 1st maybe May 8th before Mother's Day you've got guidelines into place that you're not having to deal with the problems that the colleges are because the NCAA wiped its hands of it, but now wants to step back in because begging the federal government didn't work. Like, don't learn from them. Don't be the exam. Don't go by the example that the NCAA set because, like in most situations, the NCAA sucks. So this is the <laughs> OHSA's chance to not suck, and that would be great, I think, for everybody involved. It wouldn't cause. You know, high school coaches to pull out their hair because they've got several other things that they've got to deal with along with so, just coaching their athletes. So you're saying that the NCAA did do some good out of this NIL thing. They showed everybody what not to do. Yeah, they gave everybody the example of what not to follow. And they've done that in the past. When Ed O'Bannon took them to the Supreme Court back in, what, 2002, 2003, that should have been for them the 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 tell that this is going to happen. You need to have a plan for when it does go happen. And they waited, and 20 years later, here we are going, we don't know what to do. It's the bet you made lying it. Hopefully the OHSA looks at that and says that isn't going to be us. We are going to put a bow on the show and ask Jerry Jones, what were you doing in Harry Hines? That's next. It's Sports Saturday here on The Fan. Sports conversation and sometimes pure stupidity. It's awesome, funny, random. Your home of the Buckeyes. The Fan. Ohio's sports destination. Top of the eighth in Ohio's Queen City. The Pirates and the Reds are tied at two. Mm. This is a chance, Tyvis. Mm-hmm. They just got to finish. Reds are going to have to finish. That's what they got to do. Finish is the word you're looking for. Late inning magic to pull out of that nine-game slump. Because, come on, it's the Pirates. You can at least beat them, right? Top of the yeah. third in Cleveland, the Guardians trail the Blue Jays four to nothing. So mm, don't say that. Don't tell mm. me that. That's not. That's not what I wanted to hear. If the Reds get a dub and we lose, I'm gonna feel some type of way. I'm. I'm not gonna lie to you. Yeah, both. Teams. I'd have gave. I'd have gave all my positive energy to the wrong team. Well, look, I don't think the Guardians at 12 and 13 right now need all of that positive energy. It's I yes, think we do better directed maybe towards a team at three and 22 on the season. No, you're trying, to, you're trying to be positive about yeah. the whole situation. No, no, because I wasted my energy on the Reds. At least, the uh, at least the Guardians may have, you know, playoff potential. I don't know. I'd, I'd go that far. Um, <laughs> a, a, a team I do think should always have playoff potential are the Dallas Cowboys. And earlier this week, uh, Jerry Jones, their owner, GM, president, head coach. It's like all of those things just wrapped up into one. Uh, was involved in a car crash Wednesday night in Dallas. 
Um, he was taken to the hospital for precautionary measures, so there was no serious injuries involved. So that's good. But the the crash um, was at the corner of Harry Hines Boulevard and Wolf Street in Dallas. And that seems fairly innocuous for people like us. We live in central Ohio. We know streets here. We know in neighborhoods where to go, where not to go. We know what 270 is. So we know all of those things. So a Harry Hines Boulevard and Wolf Street wouldn't be anything that Tyvis, you or I would know anything about. But it turns out Harry Hines Boulevard or Harry Hines, the area in downtown Dallas is a place one might go to seek the services of someone who you would have to give money to for (laughs) sexy times. (laughs) Don't say that. And so, of course, we know Jerry Jones has a history of reports that he loves having sexy times with a number of different women. So he, so him and Bill Belichick party together. Well, we don't know. <laughs> no, not Bill who's Belichick. Him, Robert Bob Kraft. Kraft. There we go. Let me let me clear. We Bill's do know name. Bob Kraft went into a uh, place called Orchids of Asia in Florida, and <laughs> that place was raided by the FBI, known for masseuses giving some extracurriculars outside of the traditional massage. We don't necessarily know that that's what Jones was doing in Harry Hines or on Harry Hines Boulevard. We just know the history. Or we at least hear from it, hear about it from people in Dallas about how that is uh, a sketchy area of town, to say the least, because of the potential services that one can get. Now, Bodie, when you see the owner of your favorite football team being uh, <laughs> reported involvement in an area like that, what do you think? I mean, listen, you just had a very long, like a lot of was going on in this offseason for the like Cowboys. Geelong. They got rid of Lyle Collins, traded Mari Cooper. Jerry just mm. had a stressful week last Blown week with steam. the draft. Yeah, I mean, you're sitting in the draft war room for how many hours for three straight days? He's like, dude, just wants to kick back a little bit. We all enjoy having our uh, relaxing time in different ways. So Jerry said, hell with that. I mean, he revealed the draft board. I don't know if you guys saw that story where he showed the paper of the Cowboys' entire first round uh, draft board there to the reporters on Thursday night after the first round. <laughs> he's just of course out. he did. I mean, who cares, but only Jerry Jones. But yeah, he's just getting some, uh, that's his way to stress relief. Some people like to drink. Some people maybe play video games. Some people watch TV shows. Jerry, he, he's got his own thing. And look, when we talk about hey. rich people paying for these services and go, why are they have to pay for it they could just afford they don't need to pay for it well it's not a need thing it's they can so they want to they're billionaires like nobody is is this a legal service down here this ain't vegas (laughs) i'm not gonna indict the man it's just when things like that happen it is our duty to report the news okay and maybe have some fun with it at, at, at jerry jones's expense he didn't care he had a lot on his mind, huh? They, they didn't get to the draft, didn't go quite the way they wanted it to, huh? Look, I hope it was a relaxing evening for him before the crash. I am glad he is okay. I'm glad there were no serious injuries involved. But I didn't know what Harry Hines was until Jerry Jones made it a trending thing, what, Thursday morning. So thanks for that, Jerry, because that's fun content for our program. All right, Tyvis, you got to go back to dad duty. There are plenty of diapers that need changed. I'm going to dismiss you all to your weekend. Pod Center from ESPN up next on The Fan. If you're looking for the radio home of the crew, you've come to the right place. Because if we weren't, this promo would be very stupid. Proud to be your crew station, The Fan. Hey, friends, Bo Bishop here. And I think one thing we can all agree on is that I know great whiskey. So when it came time for me to put my name beside one, there was one clear choice. The good folks at High Bank Distillery Co., High Bank was founded right here in Columbus, is home to the best blended whiskey in America. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where are my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. 
Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. 